Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and uh, joining me is Benno this week. Uh, Benno, how's it going? It's been uh, been another busy month in wrestling and you're just coming off a lad's holiday to Bratislava. Yeah, I- I'm glad to say I came over with a hangover and not coronavirus, so that's good. <laughs> uh, I'll take that. Uh, and yeah, I'm literally flying straight out to Germany on Friday as well. I don't know when I signed up to this jet set in life, Martin, but it's just where the world's taking me at the moment. I'm only home for literally three days. Three, I've got three days of work, two days of podcasts, a TNT show on Thursday, and I'm straight out to Germany. I'll sleep next week at some point, I think. Oh, uh, you are but... living that life. I, mean, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy, actually. But uh, no, last week, the weekend was great. I went to Bratislava, had a, say, a good few beers and uh, lots of uh, local food and uh, Got to kind of walk around and maybe improve the reputation of the locals over there. So lots of uh, to the locals over there. So lots of boozed up Brits abroad, uh, making a bit of a mess of themselves. But we were very civilized, Martin. Had some some nice beers, had some nice meals, saw some nice touristy things. Uh, it was relatively relatively civilized. But I don't know. I'm 35 at this point, so I'm I am still feeling the hangover now. And yeah, by the time by the time I recover, I'm sure I'll find myself in Oberhausen. Yeah, those hangovers take longer and longer, don't they, the older that you get. But, um, I mean, as with most Euro wrestling cards, uh, it's subject to change. So, no James this week, I'm afraid. Benno, without our ace, Jamesy, but I've uh, been on the phone to wrestling super agent Sonny Ono to find a replacement and uh, hear from the PW Torches Midlands finest, Will Cooling. Will, uh, thanks for joining us this week at such short notice. My God, such shade for an Arnold Furious there. My God, <laughs> my God, Martin. Yes, yeah, so it's great to be here. Um, <laughs> always enjoy being on a British wrestling exp- uh, uh, experience. Almost said my name on my own show, uh, which is actually work because I've no one to talk to. And one thing, Benno, when I was hearing about your escapades, I was like, how does he get the money to do all these trips? And I was like, oh, he hasn't got kids. also in eastern europe it's like a euro for a pint so there's that too i don't know if the rum's that cheap though uh, well i'm not sure Uh, a couple of mates did try some of the local slovakian rum they did said it was said it was very nice apparently they made you the it's like the weird vegetable they use locally to make it because like in the past there wasn't uh, the resources there to to make the proper stuff and it's kind of turned into a national drink i did think of you when they were drinking that uh but i don't i can't confirm if it's uh, a euro ago it's probably not well, when I um, when we go obviously when we're all in Germany, like I try and avoid drinking non-local uh, alcohol. I try to drink the local stuff, which you can't do in the Turban Halle because they only sell Captain Morgan's or Bacardi. But uh, yeah, there's loads of like German rooms that for like a seventy centiliter bottle you can get for like seven euros. So yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> booze does always seem a lot cheaper when you're abroad you can tell we're like all british that's all we care about like how expensive the drinks are when you go on holiday <laughs> yeah that's the important stuff in it now <laughs> the culture the museums you can you can that's kind of the best way of looking at like when you go into a, a different country how much money am i going to need to take well what's the cost of a pint and there's all kinds of websites set up by Brits who, who've done that. And it is kind of, you know, I judge uh, where I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, and even Germany, yeah, it's not too bad. You can get a, in the Turban and Hall, you can get a nice, uh, get a nice beer for, what is it, three bonds, something like that, which works out about three euros. I can live with that. I remember the first time I entered that, the first night I was in there, um, we were going to go out. And uh, my mate, who was in the process of moving there, was like, just bring your rum bottle, Will, don't worry about it. So I bring a rum bottle and I'm, I'm standing outside the bar 
and he just comes and him and it, him and his mates have bought like a crate of beer for them to drink with each other. Like literally bring the crate out of like about 12 bottles and to share in the streets. And now I'm just there with the bottle of rum I bought myself and totally cool. No one cared. <laughs> Great place. Yeah. We'll I mean, we couldn't have you on, Will, without talking about the big uh, Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder uh, fight. What did you What did you make of that one and uh, the rematch that they're going to be having in the summer? Apparently, yeah, I was surprised they went straight to the rematch. I thought they'd have done a deal where Wilder kind of agreed to take a few tune up fights, with a promise that he would get the Fury Joshua winner because they're not going to make any money off that Fury Wilder. Uh, rematch because he was just so clearly beaten. Like, clearly something weird happened in the fight because Wilder didn't see him himself from the get-go. Um, the, the kind of excuse of his costume was a bit ridiculous, but you don't you wouldn't necessarily rule it out because he was sluggish from the off-go. But Fiori looked great. He, he had a really good game plan, which was to actually come forward and be aggressive, kind of change up his tactics, and Really impressive performance. And, you know, you've got to say, you know, he's probably got the two best, arguably the two best overseas victories of any British heavyweight in terms of the, the uh, Vladimir Klitschko victory in 2016 and this one. I mean, the only one you'd argue is up there would be the Lewis Holyfield and Lewis um, Klitschko. Um, by the time Lewis Tyson happened, Tyson was washed up. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens with uh, uh, Joshua and Fury because, I mean, as much as, like, you know, Joshua seems like a top guy and he's great on sort of, like, you know, the media stuff and that, and he's decent boxer, you think Fury would be, like, too much for him if they end up uh, facing off? You would think so. I mean, the, the one thing with Joshua is, obviously, he's a, he's a lot younger than Fury and he's still evolving his style. And it certainly seems like what he's trying to get better at is just fight behind his jab. Mm. Um, and it's it's an open question like if he could keep that and keep the output up which Vladimir couldn't when he was trying to fight like that against Fury back in 2016 he was getting older could Fury could Fury actually win rounds I mean the one thing I would say to anybody who's looking forward to that taking place in Britain is that you're dreaming like I I think the money's in America I also don't think Fury would trust the British officials the British Boxing Board of Control Mm. to officiate it or Saudi Arabia, possibly, as well. They seem to be throwing the hat into boxing, big boxing events, aren't they? I think there's, like, a deal where no one takes anything actually good to Saudi Arabia because they'll give lots of money for bad fights, so why <laughs> give them... Because, <laughs> like, if they're going to pay $70 million for um, Joshua Reese, which we all kind of knew was going to be a bit of a joke fight, um, just because like, Reese basically got lucky against Joshua and then just party for the next six months... Mm. What would they be able to pay for a, a Joshua Fury match? No, 100, 150 million. Would they really pay that? Or would they actually just want the same fight for their 70 million dollars? Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, no, no, I said like um, it was quite funny to see uh, uh, Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer become uh, Twitter's biggest Tyson Fury fan. I, I, I really <laughs> enjoyed that. What about you, Benno? Any interest in the Fury Joshua fight or boxing in general? 
Not really, to be honest. I prefer my work sports. Uh, if I'm, I remember as a kid trying to get into it a number of times and just kind of being like, ah, yeah, this is good, but it's not Hulk Hogan dropping a leg drop, is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did I obviously kept up with the fight and watched it, it being such a, a big spectacle, uh, similar to Dave Meltzer. He, he does tend to just tune in, doesn't he, when it's, when it's a really big fight and it can't be ignored. It does get that, uh, that little bit of coverage in the Observer. Uh, and yeah, things like that, listening to people like Will. It's kind of the same with MMA. You can't be into wrestling without at least half following MMA and being aware of what's going on through, you know, through John and, and Way and being and through Meltzer and through the likes of Will. And I think it's the same with boxing. When something's big like this, you can't help but yeah, uh, uh, can't help but see it. And yeah, I, I will always claim, you know, those lads, you know, Tyson Fury, he's a, he, he's a British lad. He also wrestles, so I'd count him as a Brit Res guy. So I think it definitely fits, fits this podcast. If anyone's going to say Brit Res, maybe it's going to be Tyson Fury. Maybe it's a, a real left field one like that. I'll also try and get an interview with him and James. They set up at some point. Oh, <laughs> yes. They, those two hours would be unmissable. Absolutely. Well, he was, he, he was a former Irish champion. Oh, there you go. Because because of the travelling background, he was eligible to fight for the Irish title. So he, he never got the British title, but he was English and Irish champion. At different points. Oh, there you go. Even more connections there. But I mean, moving away from boxing, because obviously we've got tons of stuff to get into. But um, I thought first up, um, this goes out on Friday normally, so a lot of this news might have changed. But um, as of recording, you were both, you two were both still headed to Germany for WXW 16 Carrot. And um, I mean, with, with some of their events from last year, it's been it with some pullouts. But Benno, I mean, what are you looking forward to on one of the biggest European wrestling events of the year? It's it just taking place, to be honest, Martin. I'll take that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely tempted and fate here by leading with this. Maybe if uh, if all goes pear-shaped, we can get way to edit this out and no one can ever uh, never hear us talking, hopefully, about this weekend. Uh, if we thought Tag League was cursed last year, my God. Like no one saw this uh, this this worldwide pandemic coming. Uh, things seem okay. It looks like the show's going ahead. Like I've seen you know, uh, Tassilo Young and other people involved in in WXW kind of say, well, at the end of the day, you know, the the, the the top level football matches are all still happening. The Bundesliga is still running. Yeah. Then you know who's to stop. You know, and that, that you're talking like big stadiums, aren't you? Who used to stop 2,000 wrestling fans converging on the turban and Halla? So I think we're all right. Uh, but obviously, yeah, I think we've had a few cancellations. Wouldn't surprise me if there's more by the time this goes out. Obviously, Alex Shelley being the biggest one. I mean, he was he was the, the main attraction for me for this weekend, uh, getting to see him live. I've been to Ring, you know, as a, people on this network will have heard me talk at length with DeWage Park. I went to a lot of Ring of Honor shows in the mid-2000s, and I never, don't think I ever at any point got to see Alex Shelley live. Uh, that's something I was looking forward to correcting. Uh, but yeah, I think his, uh, his real-life job, um, uh, you know, where he works, is a physiotherapy he works in. Uh, where he, he works yeah, closely with so, yeah. patients and, you know, he took the responsible decision not to travel. Uh, Leo Rush has been pulled by WWE. Shocking that, isn't it, that uh, WWE <laughs> would pull a wrestler from one of their partners the, the week of their shows. Uh, apparently he's needed. I don't know what for. You know, maybe he's going to be in the mid-card on 205 Live this week. Uh, or maybe it is, you know, coronavirus-related and they just don't want to say it and set everybody into a panic. So, yeah, the, you know, the, the shows have been hit by by those pullouts uh, and by just the general unease I think people have about traveling at this point. But 
I don't know. I think it's one of them. I went to London a couple of weeks ago. We're going to talk later about your call. And I felt, I think you're in as much danger in London as you are, you know, traveling to somewhere like Oberhausen or, yeah. or like last week in, 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 uh, in, where did I go? Bratislava, yeah. where there was uh, <laughs> well, the a big weekend. It? Yeah. it was, it was, it was. I'm just putting those brain cells back together, to be honest, Martin. <laughs> um, but you know, even there, I think there's only been one one suspected case. So you know, I think in a lot of ways, you're probably better outside of the country. Uh, but I say that now. I, I bet we'll find ourselves there, Will, and we'll uh, like you uh, said on Twitter today. Imagine if we go all the way out to Oberhaus and we fly out there, and then it gets cancelled. I mean, I like the place. But what is there to do in Oberhaus? And if there's no WXW wrestling shows going on, I think we'd have to get really, really creative there. Uh, we'll have to. It'll be like uh, the the, uh, the Ogden brothers lost in Dusseldorf <laughs> last year, but just for a whole weekend instead. I think we'd have to maybe put together a weekend podcast or something. So, yeah, there are worries, but I'm still looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the tournament itself. Uh, the 16 carat tournament is kind of this year. They've they've other than Leo Rush, which has banned them anyway, they've mainly stayed away from contracted talent, and it very much is, you know, a, a tournament of maybe the next generation or a tournament of of unsigned guys. For that reason, it's kind of missing you know, a, bit, a little bit of star power. And you know, for me personally, Al Shelley being there would have added a bit of star power uh, for the weekend, or added a bit of I don't know, a bit of just something special um, to pull you in. But the tournament itself still looks fun. Jeff Cobb's replaced uh, Leo Rush. Uh, he's facing Alexander James in the first round of the tournament itself. Uh, Kyra Noir is in there, um, obviously based on his incredible uh, last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see if they put him over, you know, Marius Alani, who's a, a favorite of theirs usually in the booking. Uh, I think Bandido's in the tournament against Julian Pace. That should be a great flyer match. But for me, kind of the pick of the first round matches and the two matches I'm really looking forward to on that first night, Eddie Kingston, Daniel McCabe, um, and Mike Bailey, Chris Ridgway. And those two really, for me, stand out as, as great matches. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Daniel McCabe is just a, a match that it, it looks like a, a real, real styles clash. But I'm really intrigued what that looks like in a in a 16 karat gold. Obviously, people will have heard Jamesy's interview with her, with our mate Daniel and how much it meant to him to to be in the ambition tournaments uh, at tag league to get to see him kind of graduate to the tournament proper to see Eddie Kingston here who had to drop out of tag league. Speaking of that. Uh, seeing them together in a match is going to be something else. And yeah, I know, I know you will personally. You're quite excited about that. Uh, that Mike Bailey, Chris Ridgeway match as well as something that could easily, easily steal a show on night one. Yeah, no, I mean, as I said, like I saw Chris um, wrestle in Birmingham at the, at the beginning of last month, and he looks really good. Seems to put a better size back on. His strikes have got a real snap to him. Uh, I think it's a natural thing in terms of the both guys trading different styles of kicks. Um, so yeah, I think that could be a lot of fun. I mean, to me, like I agree with everything Ben has said. I mean, the one thing I do think is a bit of a shame um, about the lineup is one of the good things for sixteen carat compared to Super Strong Style these past few years is I've had more storyline matches in the opening round. That's true. And really, like the only match I I think that puts pits two regulars against each other is Jern Simmons Lucky Kid. Mm. And, all the other matches, it's, it's it's some form of flying, even like someone like Chris Ridgway and Mike Bailey have been before, against either another fly-in or a WXW regular. And um, I think that does talk about how the issues of NXT UK, the fact that NXT UK is winning in Coventry, so the likes of 
a Walter, a Dragunov aren't available. Really has done a number on that WXW uh, mid card, upper mid card. So it's just it's just become a bit more difficult to tell stories. Mm. Um, yeah, no, still still ready for lineup. I personally, um, I'm really looking forward to Ambition. I think Ambition's always a really cool tournament to watch. Obviously, they've got the guys from Battle Arts in to do a uh, a super fight, and I think they've got an interesting lineup as well of, of the various different guys, including Jamesy's favourite uh, Scotty Davis. The one thing I personally am slightly regretted is I'm flying tomorrow to go to Inner Circle, and to my nightmare now is, and I think most people are flying on the Friday. My nightmare is, is I fly in um, after Inner Circle. The, the 16 counts is cancelled due to something that happens at, at uh, in a circle. It's counted enough time where the likes of yourself, the Ogdens, a lot of the other, you know, Jamesy, you guys can just cancel your flights. Mm. <laughs> and then I'm just stuck in Hobart House and until Monday. Oh. <laughs> Nothing to do. <laughs> you just be hanging around that kebab van outside the turban holler and just looking sad with a with a nice bottle of rum. I think you could make it work, Will. I think there's a you could maybe I don't know walk around the the, the centro. I don't know. <laughs> I'm running out of things for you to do. Uh, yeah, and if if that happens, I'll be glad I won't have to uh, to fly out Friday. But God, God help you and the uh, the other people going out there. So I believe there's like a isn't there like a political protest tomorrow as well that's going to make it real hard for everybody to get out to Inner Circle too. It's just everything combining I think I, the trains are off as well i must admit when i saw that and i saw the fact the train was cancelled and i read in the financial times that that fly b which is who i'm flying out with were once again in financial trouble oh i was God. like am i really meant to go to this this tournament <laughs> it is it's the case tournament and we all thought that about tag league but you know if it does happen and let's be hopeful well you know again the tournament itself maybe doesn't have the the most the the biggest names behind it, or maybe the biggest feuds behind it, like you said. But yeah, I'm excited for ambition too. I'm really, really excited to to kind of see in there, you know, to see maybe the kind of next generation fight that they have in there with Ethan Allen, and Luke Jacobs, uh, the Young Guns, like them too. Like they've been so good. Uh, just in the Northwest, you know, they were so good in Tetsujin, Tassilo Young being the, the referee for their match that, like you said, Will, we and you were both there, both there live for. Um, and I think he was so impressed by those two. Them two are going to be the biggest thing in Britain by the end of the year. I will absolutely guarantee that. Something's gone highly wrong if as a tag team or as singles this time next year, they're not at the top of, say, RevPro's cards or or Progress's cards or even WXW. I think they're really, really going to show something to people. But I think, yeah, all of that stuff over the weekend, the shoot-style stuff, I think is, is going to be a highlight. You know, I don't always love, you know, with NXT UK happening the same weekend that they've the force and Walter in just for the one night. But if you have only got him for the one night on night three, they got him in a tag with uh, Ikeda against uh, Ishikawa and Tim Thatcher. Uh, that looks you know, that, that's got to be great. Uh, God, I mean, that's just, that's a Jamesy special, if I ever saw one. Uh, so really excited for that. Well, uh, what really I hope we get at the weekend is obviously you've got Chris Ridring or Young Guns. I assume Young Guns are planning to hang around for the Sunday and they're not rushing off. If we can get a Ridgeway Young Guns versus Luchadors match, mm. no, just this like wild trios match where it's a, it's a styles clash, like something from WCW Nitro or Worldwide in the 90s. I'll do that. That would be awesome. I mean, to be fair, like in, in terms of line, I mean, the one thing I am looking forward to is like people like Puma King, Black Taras, 
who I've mm. heard a lot about, but I've not really seen because I don't mm. follow like American Indies or Lucha Libre particularly closely. Like I'm looking to see them and if they live up to the hype from you no know, from people I respect just talked a lot about how great they are. Mm. Yeah, and and, and and it's a blank canvas for them to to make you know a name in this side of the world. Uh, and to steal the tournament with so many big names being gone as well. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to just yeah, see some, like you say, a Puma King who I've seen on maybe MLW's TV and not seen much of live. Uh, and just getting to see yeah, those guys and see see how they do. But I think that'll be great. I think another big story as well before we do move on, like David Starr uh, putting his... Uh, allegedly putting his WXW career on the line uh, on the weekend. I don't know what uh, your thoughts on that are, Will, on, on the, the what direction we're going here. I'm hoping it's a tease. I'm hoping it's not just a case of, yeah, David Starr, like he was done with Progress, being a WWE-related promotion, is the same happening with WXW, or is it just the story? But, yeah, him and Bobby Guns for the, the title on the Tuesday, on the, sorry, the Saturday night, the middle night, is going to be something that I think is going to live up to the hype of that big night two main event. I think there's going to be lots of emotion and there's going to be lots of people, I think, living or dying behind the, the near falls on that one if it, it does mean David Starr is out of WXW. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, it's one of these matches where the political stuff is more intriguing than the storyline. Because mm. the storyline is basically the stipulation. It's like, you like David Starr. If he loses, he's going to leave. You don't like Bobby Guns. If he wins, he retains the title. That's pretty much all they've all they've done, really. But like, yeah, like you walk you walk it through. Like, you know, is he just going to win? Um, is he going to lose because WXW can't have him because of WWE Network? Is he losing because he's going? Like, is he going to AEW? Is he losing because Rev Pro are going to put the title on him in May, and so he's going to be busy? doing four, five, six dates a month for all the smaller shows that they've, they're adding onto their schedule. Mm. Or do we ask him going to New Japan, true? Like, there's, there's so many things that you can project into this about why it's going to happen. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, it's quite interesting. I mean, Star has got a bit of the Terry Funk syndrome at the moment with retirement steps. Like, he did, was, he, did, he did quit WXW back in April last year over WrestleMania weekend. He obviously had a Will Ospreay match where he um, loses leaves town and came back a few months later. He obviously said he was leaving Progress after the Eddie Dennis match and was back at the next show to face Jimmy Havoc. So it's been quite funny. Like some of the stuff I think I've seen him do on Twitter was like, "No, this is real. It's not like Rev Pro. Like if I lose this, I'm actually." <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the thing when you go against steps isn't it and wrestle yeah the, the people believe you the next time uh that's what they'll probably find that we're there we're gonna find with cody and aw if they go against that step uh but it's uh, it's got me intrigued and again on a weekend that hasn't maybe got a again the star power maybe doesn't have the most exciting lineup that i've seen uh, you know character these last few years you know, I'm going in with maybe slightly lower expectations with a kind of anything could happen here and anyone could get pulled at any moment attitude. And I'm I'm just generally looking forward to spending a few days at Obaza with your Will and with James, you're with the Ogdens and our mate Alan Sheepshot. Uh, I don't know, we're making you jealous at all, Martin. Is a, we, we've never quite convinced you to uh, make the, the trip out to Germany. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know a weird time doing. of year for me. I've even just come back off holiday and I'm about to go on another one so I can never quite afford it. So, yeah, I'm always jealous when you guys get off to go to these WXW weekenders. But um, Chris mm-hmm. Ridgway's um, an interesting one, isn't he? Because 
I mean, me personally, I just never got it for ages when everyone was raving about him. I never, I never got what, but since he's been over to Japan and since seeing him in Breed last year, and then I saw him in a, and there were six man in, in January, and he's improved so much, and like his offense just looks incredible. I remember the kicks just echoing mm. around Karakan Hall, and I think he could have a, a big, big year. It certainly would, you know. I know he goes over for these Noah tours, but he hasn't got, like, a contract with a, a big company, so he could be, like, tearing it up all over Britrest. Mm. It always seems like the potential he, he had is, is going to come good with some of the matchups he's, he's got this year, and certainly oh. have a, a big weekend for WXW this weekend. Definitely. Like, I would say, I mean, you again, you were there, Will, at Ted Sujin. I thought the Chris Ridgway we saw there was a different Chris Ridgway. Like, he just looked like he put that extra element together. Like, I'll say, I say that about, you know, Bar Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs, you know, they're in some ways, you know, they get written off as are, they're just cosplaying as, you know, strong styles type wrestlers. And Chris Ridgway kind of got that criticism a little bit early in his career. But I think going out there and doing it properly and training properly, not that he wasn't very good already, he feels legit now. And he does feel like a different Chris Ridgway. So, yeah, I was kind of hoping from that Ted Sujan run, Will, that he was going to get maybe, we were going to get like a big Ridgway Brit Res run again, but he was obviously flying off again. So, God, Lord knows uh, how good he's going to be seeing him again at this part, this side of the world. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I said I, I, I've seen him. I saw him, I said, back in February at Chemicals, and he looked really good. I mean, one of the things I think helped is he had had a few weight issues in 2018, and he put the weight back on. <clears throat> so, he looked really good. I mean, I think the one thing with Chris is he has had a few personal issues that have kind of crept up every now and again. And um, I think, unfortunately, it hurt him with Rev Pro because it seems like Rev Pro just kind of washed their hands with him after cancellations in 2018. So I think if he can get a run, I mean, like, we're recording this on Wednesday. He had to pull out of a show, unfortunately, today. But if he can get a run where he can just have that consistent appearing, looking sharp, I think then you'll start to see his buzz build up, the bigger promotions start to actually feature him more regularly. You know, he was the first guy to be announced, First or second guy to be announced for Super Strong Style um, in May. So clearly progress, think highly of him. So if he can get that consistency going, I think it'll be really good. My personal opinion is, though, is rather than try and make his name a Brit Red, if I was him, I would try and do a Will Ospreay, a Chris Brooks, and just move to Japan and just disappear from Brit Reds for six months, nine months. Because I think... No, it certainly feels like we're saying someone like Will Ospreay, who has also had his like mental health issues, just being in a system has helped him. Because it must be a very lonely, isolating existence, being an indie wrestler in Britain, where unless you're signed with NXT UK, you don't really have somebody who's like your HR department that's mm-hmm. looking after you, you know, your dojo, that's making sure you're okay, making sure you're training, you know, keeping you busy. Whereas I think that lifestyle in Japan, I think, would do him the world of good. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, a very good point. But, um, I mean, before we wrap up the WXW talk, I mean, Benno, I mean, even if you are a WWE affiliated promotion, you're getting offered one of their wrestlers. I mean, you might as well just say no now to save yourself the asshole. It's what, again, I wish the big man James was here because he put it perfectly on Twitter. It was like, what do you even gain? 
what do you gain from being like a WWE feeder promotion right now? I mean, maybe the WXW guys would say, look, we're going to do a record carrot here from a business point of view. I believe it's from the press emails we're getting. It sounds like they're going to have as many people there and more than last year. You know, maybe, you know, seeing Walter on the quote unquote big stage is, is increasing, you know, their, their visibility in the country. Or, and you can say maybe that's a benefit. But, you know, just in general, just. And it's got, and maybe it attracts wrestlers too. But yeah, just the unfortunate side is, yeah, if if you're Rev Pro or you're a company that's not playing playing with well with WWE, they might try and run you out of business. They might try and pull you guys. But it, you're actually cursed as well, aren't you? If if you yeah. are, you know, willing to work with them and you're willing to use their guys, then they can get. Pull. I mean, look at this. WWE had one guy in this tournament who is WWE contracted. They didn't go. Because, of, like Will said, of the Coventry at uh, XT UK tapings, they didn't go overboard. I thought it was a smart decision, and even just having the one guy, they got snake bit anyway. Uh, yeah, if I if, if I'm if I'm an indie promotion, I just don't book. I just don't book the the NXT UK guys or WWE guys in general unless there's really you know extenuating circumstances or it's a really really good offer because this is just going to happen. And if WWE needs you for to do the dark match on Two Hundred Five Live or to do what you know to do a comic con or to do whatever they need you for you're gonna get pulled and yeah it does seem like it doesn't matter whether you know you're on the outside like rev pro or you're on the inside like progress or wxw at this point i mean my this is this one of the few instances where i've disagreed with jamesy because my point has always been the reality is is any independent wrestler working in britain or europe can become a wwe superstar tomorrow um, so you can say, okay, we're not going to have you know, any NXT UK guys um, to, to avoid these issues. And then you turn up, you come into your office the next day, and it turns out they're signed. It's like the best example would be, uh, no, sorry, the most recent example would be Pretty Deadly. Mm, who, true. When they were booked for OTT um, uh, the, for the show they were pulled, weren't yet NXT UK guys. They were just kind of getting their buzz but then they WWE swooped in, signed them, and they got pulled. You know, say say with progress. You know, Walter or or Travis Banks when they won a progress title, they were not NXT UK guys. They had not signed yet. They signed after they won the title. To me, it's just like you go and roll the dice. You know, you you put on the best card you can, but the reality is, people will be signed unless you're in a position to actually make people sign contracts you're stuffed <laughs> and, it's and not, that's the good news <laughs> and it's not just nxt uk you remember like so like um chris brooks going to ddt there were promotions who literally on the day he announced he was going to ddt for a year had announced him for this weekend like wrestling resurgence had announced him for their royal rumble and then they'd say Oh yeah, he's not he's not coming now because he's like to <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the it's one of them though. Like to to defend like James his point, I would say yeah, that can happen anyway, and yeah, you know it doesn't happen. It could be AEW, like you say, it can be Japan, it can be WWE. I still think you can limit the damage. I still think you know okay, Walter gets signed as your world champion. There's not a huge amount you can do. And you can use Walter until you can't use Walter. I think it's just the more kind of taking the lens and taking the the, the guys, you know, Mustache Mountain, people like that, using them. Uh, maybe use them selectively to pop a house here and there. 
but I think I, I do think that you can maybe limit the amount of false advertising you end up doing if you do try and just avoid the guys, even if maybe your hundred percent it's not going to be hundred percent proof. It will at least limit the damage maybe that can be done by these guys getting pulled last minute. Well, it wasn't sort of like WWE pulling guys from doing indie bookings, bookings from to protect them from getting injuries and stuff. And it seems like these guys doing less dates and that seem to be more injured than ever. I mean, <laughs> his uh, elbow issue and then Travis Banks got pulled from that progress show for being injured. And then Tyler Bates seems to have been pulled from about 10 shows for having a variety of different injuries. And WWE is saying like, well you know, we're trying to reduce their bookings so they're not likely to be injured for our shows. And it seems just going down to the PC or doing mm. adverts like Samoa Joe, you know, getting thrown two <laughs> tables on commercials again um, when they're supposedly on their downtime. I think one thing to bear in mind is what WWE considers injured for somebody mm. else's show is different to what an independent, may, uh, independent wrestler may consider injured for that show, or certainly what WWE considers being injured for their shows. Like, you take Tyler Bay, you know, withdrew from the October um, uh, OTT show due to injury. He was wrestling on NXT, what, five days later? Mm. <laughs> um, I, I think a lot of it is WWE just be like, it's... Ooh, that's 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 a badly stubbed toe. Better, <laughs> better not risk going all the it's... way over to Ireland. It's um, Premier League you... players on like World Cup on like international duty, isn't it? It's yeah. like they, they they can't they can't play for England on Wednesday, but they can still play for United on the Saturday. That that stubbed toe uh, healed itself quickly. <laughs> By the way, that's such a good analogy, and I'm really jealous. I didn't think of it. Yes, <laughs> thought you will. <laughs> well, um, as much as the image of Will having his um, own Lost in Translation round Oberhausen is uh, amusing to me, fingers crossed everything <laughs> does go ahead. And, uh, Martin, you know. <laughs> as you know, everything I do is Lost in Translation. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, staying with European promotions, and a uh, small matter of OTT Scrapamania 6 show is happening next weekend, and... Last time we recorded, Benno, we were sort of like scratching our heads, weren't we, about what OTT were going to do to headline the show or pull in a big crowd. And uh, they seemingly pulled an ace out of the bag and bring in uh, the new AEW champion John Moxley over for his, uh, I think it's his first non-WWE Euro appearance since uh, 2009 for WXW. So the show subsequently sold out uh, since Moxley won the belt at the weekend. And we've also got Omari against Scotty Davis on the show and Dan Barry, Katie Harvey and Tony Storm taking on CT Flexer and the Woke, uh, the Woke Queen. So great get for OTT with, with Mox there, Benno. I mean, surely he's been watching the Sean Ryan videos and seeing the atmosphere in Ireland and thought, yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a piece of that. He seems the type, doesn't he, where he's, he's very much picking and choosing his dates. And this is, I'd hope, I'm hoping this is something he wants. And this is something he's going to jump right into, two-footed as well. Uh, that's a great pull, that, though. I didn't realise that he'd even been over here at any point in Europe. But yeah, WXW makes sense uh, as a company. Did he ever do Brick Res? Can you, is, is that, no, I can't, no, I can't no, as far as I could say, I was looking through his cage match earlier. Because I knew he'd been over for WXW and I couldn't remember. I knew it was like just before he signed with WWE. So yeah, like uh, over... Uh-huh. Over 10 Actually, years he, ago. He was That's like cool. that era when WXW were the people who were getting the imports. and yeah, it was promotion as well. The CZW like. guys, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's quite funny because I'm actually going to this. So I, I'm, you know, I'm doing like Benno's jet-setting lifestyle just a week later. So I'm going <laughs> to Ireland. Um, 
I, I it's quite funny. Like, so we're on, I think the card's great. Um, they're going to finally get those tag titles of Mustache Mountain in time for Modern Hype to debut at NXT uh, TakeOver Dublin. Mm. Um, but the one thing I am annoyed at uh, OTT for is I decided not to go to the Sunday show, the hangover show in the Ringside Club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I put my flights, and this is before I signed off work, so I was like, well, I need to be back in work on Monday. And so then it was like... Um, they announced Feeble Mike Bailey versus Black Harris. And I was like, whatever, whatever everyone's saying about Black Harris, that should be a great match. It's a shame I can't see it. Then they announced David Starr versus uh, Daniel Macabe. Uh, and I was like, you can't swear on the show, can we? You so-and-sos. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm like, because I'm flying with Iron Air, like, there's, even, there's no point ringing them to try and change your flights. because you got to play again. Yeah, because like my flight, my my flights were booked in January, so like my flights cost like forty quid in total. So yeah, I had to buy a new flight from Dublin so I could stay for that ringside uh, club uh, uh, show. And which does mean you're talking about lost in Dusseldorf, um, the Ogdens did. It does mean I'm going to have a night in Dublin Airport because I don't have the money to buy a hotel. <laughs> Oh, you've done that, Martin. Yeah, well, I went out uh, on the piss around Dublin. I'd, I'd recommend that and then got the first flight home because those hotel <laughs> prices in Dublin on St. Patrick's well, Day weekend are just eye-watering. Yeah, so oh, yeah. I found a, um, a, new, a new hotel that has converted digs, converted student digs near the airport, where on the Saturday it will only cost me €55. Euros. Yeah, that's pretty good, then. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I have a hotel for the Saturday, I just couldn't spring for one on the Sunday. But I'm really looking forward to that. The one thing, just on the David Starr-Moxley match, I mean, I think it's a fair assumption that Moxley's going to win because he's just got that AEW title and, you know, Moxley's a big star. I don't think he's lost on the Indies yet. Um, And he only lost in uh, New Japan in terms of the context of G1. It doesn't really count. Um, But what I think OTT did really cleverly is, like, if you plan ahead you can mitigate the blow of politics. So one of the things I will always criticize uh, progress for is ev- no, everyone knew Walter at some point was going to get that NXT UK title, and they certainly should know because they're helping book it. But instead of getting that title off him in February or March, they waited until he actually had the belt, at which point they couldn't beat him. Whereas mm. OTT were clever, they got the title off of in March, they could do a clean finish. What was really clever with OTT is they, 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 they presumably need to have Moxley beat David Starr, but they don't want Moxley to become their world champion, so it's going to be a non-title match. But if you make a non-title match, it's going to look a bit weird. You're going to basically tell people Moxley's winning. So what do they do? They make the Jeff Cobb match in uh, last month. They make that a non-title match but then still have David Starr win. And so now it feels like a storyline. Now mm. it feels like it makes sense. And so when, when it, the inevitable happens, and presumably John Moxley does uh, beat David Starr, you won't be like, oh, well, they had to do that due to politics. You'd be like, oh, this is just continuing this storyline of David Starr picking and choosing who he's going to defend his title against. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that video they put up on Monday was brilliant because it's it's that weedy indie, you know, clicktivist uh, persona that he's developed in other promotions and he, he he's doing it online and in real life. But it's just tweet 
so he's a heel. Like, if you, if you agree with him, you can still cheer him on. But that's clearly using the weedy indie stuff to, ter- to make him dislikable. It's really clever what they're doing at the moment. Mm. I can't remember yeah. the name of it, and this is certainly a take I saw on Twitter. I can't remember who said it, but there's a pub like on the corner on the main road, just as you're walking down towards the national stadium, and having Mox like down in a shot and then into the <laughs> stadium from that pub would be absolutely fantastic. Oh, he's going to be right at home, isn't he? There, like I really hope that. I hope, I hope, I hope that the camera pans and there's just a, a lone Will Curling sitting there having a rum, and then John Moxley walks past <laughs> and makes his makes his big entrance from the pub over the road. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be I've, perfect. I've got two. I've got two children. School fees are coming out next month. I'm doing two trips abroad. I can't afford to drink in Irish pubs. And <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, I, I echo everything Will said there, though, about like just how smart it is what they've done, making it non-title. No matter what the result is, whether it's Moxley going over, whether it's a screwy finish, whatever they do, you know David Starr is going to get mileage out of it. Mm-hmm. And they're in a perfect position as well, where so if David Starr was the baby face, and he, kind of, and he is, he'd come off as whiny. But I think the story they're telling long term is eventually David. I know a lot of the Irish don't agree with me, but I do think eventually David Starr is revealed to be the, the bad guy we all thought he was all along. And all of this type of stuff on the way to that end story is going to play right into it. They're not wanting to defend his belt against imports. Some of the things he kind of he leaks into his promos, things like this, where, you know, maybe we'll get a screwy finish. Maybe we'll get a, the odds kind of heelish reaction to whatever happens with Moxley. Like Peyton Moxley is this corporate sellout, which, you know, when Moxley turns up, he's going to get a massive cheer. I think, uh, although, yeah, maybe I shouldn't tell David Starr. But either way, it's, it's going to continue to paint David Starr in this really, really interesting light where he's a three-dimensional character. And watching the roads that character is going to go through over this year are going to be really incredible. And it allows you to maybe take some creative license as they have with this feud. So, yeah, like Will said, a, a match that maybe might have been a real political nightmare. I think they, they've navigated it well thus far, and I've got every faith they're going to they're gonna get it right on the night as well. Yeah, the definitely. One... Do you think, though, that um, this opens up John Moxley to doing sort of like more sort of dates in Europe and with the... I mean, it's weird because obviously Tony Khan was a regular at the cockpit shows for Red Pro. Could you mm-hmm. see like a Mox turning up in Red Pro or anything, Bennett? I don't know. If he's watching that VOD, I can't see him thinking, oh, I want to be there. <laughs> he's not going to have the same effect as watching Sean Ryan's OTT videos, is it? I think more likely, I felt like, if I could, bro, not going to show that weekend, Will. I'm sure they have the Friday night. Is that right? They do have the Friday night, and I think that they are, there is a bit of sharing of talent. Um, uh, I would have um, thought that would, that would be the obvious tie-in and the type of place you'd expect to see Moxley. I'm quite surprised that's not happening. I... I, I, I saw some people who were going to Fight Club and not OTT saying, oh, I really hope we get a big Moxley match, I really hope we get a big Moxley match. Like, I think the two things I'd say to that is, one, if you're OTT, is he, the amount you're paying for him, do you really want to share? Like, is what you will save actually worth mitig- no, under, un- diluting the impact of being the people to have his first show, so his first match? this side of uh, the pond after he left WWE. Yeah. And of course, the second thing is, you know, what is his fee? You have to remember the national stadiums were over 2,000 people. You know, Fight Club is somewhere between 700 and 800 if it's, if it's sold out. Does that actually make economic sense to bring in a John Moxley? That's um, true. Um, so he's not announced that they've announced their full cards. I, I was never expecting him to go. 
I, 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 I always expected it would be a thing. He was coming over to do this, um, this, this OTT show and then disappear straight away. Yeah. The one, the one question I do have is like, he has done nothing to promote this. There's nothing on social media. He's not sent a video in to kind of answer stars points. How, because we all know there's, there are imports who are there here to work and are imports are here to pick up the paycheck. Which one will Moxley be? I suppose no, we- to be fair, he's not the most. Pro- I know he's done a couple of videos, but he's not the most prominent mm-hmm. guy on mm-hmm. social media and stuff, is he? In general, yeah. I could see the video coming as well. I wonder whether it's waiting for that. Like podcasters' uh, nightmare, there'll be a video by the time this podcast comes out <laughs> yeah. on Friday. But I could, I could see maybe that, and it being that be more how they promote it with him. Either that, or yeah, like you say, I wouldn't say so much. He's going to be someone over here for the money, but maybe someone's just went. Oh, do you want to come to Ireland? It's actually Paddy's weekend, and he's just coming over with the yes. wife to have a hell of a time, and that's the reason he's coming yes. over. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's one of those two options. Um, but maybe one thing to be, is always worth remembering with Star. He doesn't show it in, in it, this side of the pod very often. But this is a guy who, you know, CCW uh, alumnus, guy who, you know, does, you know, big death matches, big hardcore balls. I mean, I, I assume, I guess, in a pretty heavy duty plunder match um, uh, between these two. Yeah, you would you would definitely think that's the that's the route they'll be going down. But I mean, uh, moving on from OTT and uh, but sticking with Ireland and the announcement by WWE that they'll be holding. NXT UK TakeOver Dublin. I mean, that always sounds dodgy when you're saying that. But um, at the Three Arena on the 26th of April, uh, I mean, announced talent for this has been the usual NXT UK, Rusty John, Devlin, Walter, etc. Tickets went on sale this past Monday, I think, but no word on well they've sold yet. But Benno, what were your thoughts on this? And um, and when they made the big announcement for this, that they're, uh, you know, encroaching on OTT territory. NXT UK... Take over Dublin. <laughs> My God, like, I've some just, just some awareness of what that sounds like. That's just terrible, isn't it? Yeah, that was that was my first that, uh, first response was that. Like, could they not have called it anything else? Does well, it have no, to be the police no, name? No, I well, thought just very quickly. You know what they could have called it? Go on, Old Collide Dublin. That could work, but They've then got the got got... brand in. What is that? I was going to say it's got no nothing behind it, but neither is NXT UK. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I always feel bad for James who'd be having to put in his Twitter bio that he's in the British wrestling experience and people are going to think he's a traitor. Uh, never mind a, a title like this. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an odd one. And, you know, the sea and islands as, as a hotbed of wrestling, they know they've got, they've got devil. And I think they've, one thing I would say, it's took them long enough, but they've worked out what they've got in Devlin. Uh, you know, the fact that, the, that they do seem to be behind him, I think that's going to be a big part of the reason why they're going out to Dublin as well and doing something in Ireland. Maybe we get something along the lines of what we're seeing with uh, with Finn Balor and, and Walter, you know, that maybe that's where we're, we're headed to for it. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of a first reaction. It was just like, oh, of course they are. There's a hot indie scene happening in Ireland. Of course they're headed out there. But also, yeah, there's that side of it as well that maybe they want to spotlight their, their Irish guy. At this point, though, I mean, just call it NXT Europe. Let's just, yeah. let's just move on. Like, Walter's been the champion for long enough you know we don't we don't need we don't need it to be NXT UK at this point I think that was probably a mistake at the start obviously a big reaction to ITV World of Sport it being NXT UK but it's always kind of been NXT Europe so it probably it'd probably just be better off calling it that at this point 
when will you Romaniacs learn that you lost the referendum? <laughs> trying to take the <laughs> UK title and give it to the Europeans. Um, Don't start, I'll get Joe onto you. <laughs> um, I mean, like the title should be called Progress. I mean, that's what this should be called. Like they should have just put Progress on the network. I'm the so whole. Small. Small moment of the Q&A this week where, like, he was asked, you know, would you ever ring it out for NXT UK? And he's like, no, those days are behind me. Like, he should be in the ring for NXT UK, shouldn't he? Like, uh, yeah. like all of that. that. That's basically, in hindsight, that's what this should have been. Yeah. They should, they should just, uh, when they did the World Albert Hall tapings, they should have brought out William Regal. They should have brought out the three mates. They should have brought out, uh, I think, even Travis Banks at the time was still just about champion. And they should have said that uh, Wembley, the big Wembley uh, progress show, is going to be on the WWE Network, and we're going to have Pete Dunne and uh, Walter and Dragunov and Travis Banks to a four-man uh, one-night tournament to unify the titles. And then after that, progress will be on the WWE Network. The, the, the whole idea that you have NXT, NXT UK, NXT Japan, NXT Mexico, this doesn't work. It just makes it. It just makes the. No, it makes NXT UK feel like NXT's velocity. Mm. Whereas if you had, if you called it, just put progress on the network. Maybe you'd have this sense of history, this sense of identity, enough where people would watch it, enough where you could do these interbrand matches, and it felt like it was important. Uh, but no, just just on terms of the matches, we'll see. Like I think the. We'll get an idea after these tapings about whether the Finn Balor Walter match, which, by the way, predicted a few weeks ago, <laughs> I think I was the first one to call that as a possible future direction. Um, that Finn Balor Walter match is that happening over Mania weekend, or is that being saved for this NXT UK takeover Dublin? Finn Balor is coming, you know, he's on those Coventry tapings. Well, from what I've seen, they weren't struggling to sell. Like they'd sold the third of the Coventry Sky Dome they've opened up, just about. So I think it is for storyline reasons. Um, to me, like if they can do Finn Balor, Walter as your main event, Jordan Devlin maybe in the rematch with Tyler Bates for the cruiserweight title as your semi-main. I think that's a pretty strong one-two punch and. Um, no, maybe sign more than hype to go up against Gallus in a trios match. Um, Oi, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Stop you troll. <laughs> you know it's coming. Do you think uh, Finn Balor's the only uh, sort of like big name they'll bring in for that? Do you think if tickets are slowing down, they'll try and bring in a, a Becky Lynch as well, Bernard? I wonder. I mean, they don't. Becky Lynch almost. I know Finn Balor's a big star, but Becky Lynch almost feels too big to do that with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends, I suppose. If, if if this was running head to head with like an AEW pay per view the same night, I'd say absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I I would probably say yeah, NXT UK or NXT Europe or whatever probably doesn't have. It's not that high in the importance stake. So I think they'll. Pro- I could see I could see Balor doing it just because he's on an NXT brand as it is, and then you know putting a big Balor a big uh, Devlin match on there as we said. But I can't see yeah, even going any further than that. What yet um, say, Benno, is she may want to do it? That's true. When Has there ever been a, a live wrestling show from Ireland? Because OTT don't live stream. Mm. I don't, I, I, so it might just be that this is like a big deal 
to have like a Irish wrestling show that's going to be broadcast worldwide with the WWE Network, and she wants to be a part of it, mm. even if it's a throwaway match where she just squashes somebody from NXT. Mm. That's a shout. But I mean, I was trying to think: Did Irish Whip ever do go live on the wrestling channel, mm. Martin? I don't think he did. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I suppose staying with WWE because there's a few other sort of like news items of interest to us this month. Obviously, Takeover Portland happened uh, quite a few weeks ago now, but some good stuff on that show. I thought uh, Pete Dunne and mm. Matt Riddle picking up the tag belts, and also. Wales' own Tegan Knox having a brutal match with Dakota Kai. I mean, um, Benno, it's a pretty decent show overall, I thought, uh, TakeOver Portland. Yeah, it really was. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not one for the big NXT main event style. I'll leave that to uh, Davey and Braden. Uh, but as far as like the undercard goes, I did really enjoy it. And yeah, you know, seeing, you know, it was the most I'd probably say I've enjoyed Pete Dunne in a while. Yeah, um, this tag team with Riddle's been giving him a whole oh, new release of life, hasn't it? Really? Yeah, it's bringing out the. No, it, obviously, he's not a big personality, but it's making. I wouldn't maybe bringing out his personality is the wrong way to put it. It's using his kind of muted straight man personality in the best possible way and Riddle's just got so much charisma and personality bouncing off him there even when they're doing stupid stuff like the Bobby Fish go fry fish nonsense that they were doing it's still even when it doesn't work it kind of still works because they are so just enjoyable as a team and I was made up like that's the you know in WWE it's not the type of thing that they run with is it you know, it gets over organically and then it's killed within a couple of weeks and we go we go straight to the feud. You know, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, should, if it was, this was Raw, they'd have, they'd have feuded and it'd be over by now. I love that they've you know, stuck with them. They're really pushing them as you know as tag team champions and they've, they've really, really gotten behind them. And yet it's given some real life to Pete Dunne. You know, we all know how good he is, but it's just been, he's kind of been spinning his wheels, hasn't he? Both in, in NXT UK and NXT proper. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. And yeah, a real surprise on the card was how good Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai was like I made the joke when we reviewed this on Grapple I'd, the same night I'd watched the GCW Run Ricky Run show with uh, with uh, Ricky Shane Page and uh, go, going through glass tables against Nick Gage and I was kind of saying this match was actually slightly more reckless than that was because they were just out there trying to kill each other like you could tell Tegan Knox was just on it you know she's she's had so many setbacks she's you know from from the time she was signed up until now it's not gone the way anybody expected there were times where i think i partly expected we probably weren't gonna see her again or at least see her at the level we all hoped we'd see her you know as somebody who signed to wwe proper and not nxt uk but it felt i think it, it really seemed like she's been feeling that too and they went out there and they, they left it all out there and she came across as the the likable star that you know we'll have all seen you know in buildings in front of 50 100 people just maximized to an audience and again just out there to just steal the show and yeah that was a match that really could have got lost in the uh in the shuffle which was just stacked to take over but i really thought the those girls stood out and yeah it was great to see uh tegan knox do so well yeah i completely agree with that because obviously you know we saw uh you know have some great chemistry with Chris Brooks on uh, the Brit Indies and then, you know, uh, matches in Fight Club Pro and Attack and the like. And then, you know, sort of like she signed with WWE and then it seemed to be like an injury, then come back and mm-hmm. got injured at Download Festival. And, you know, and, you know, we slagged WWE off a lot on the show, but that's off for not, like, you know, cutting her loose and keeping with her and, you know, great True. performance at, uh, at this takeover. And, um, but, I mean, sticking with sort of like WWE, because it's been announced that the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, is going to be inducted in this year's Hall of Fame. And I know there's been a very prominent 
online petition going around for a few years now to make this happen. And I mean, I was a massive fan of Bulldog back in the early 90s. Obviously, he had his most memorable moment in ring was the match he had with Bret Hart at SummerSlam 92 at Wembley Stadium. And um, obviously, he had a, a history of drug abuse and died of a heart attack at um, the really young age of 39. So WWE obviously held off inducting him for a while. Um, well, you know, Will, right time for Bulldog in the Hall of Fame, I think, uh, this year. Yeah, no, I think it's um, it's a nice move. The family's been campaigning for it. Um, you no, know, clearly the biggest British star WWE has ever produced. Um, I do think there's an interesting question about how much that means, and it's weird because like I was a fan um, in the very early nineties, but I, I but then I kind of drifted away. Watched a bit of WCW. Came really came back in '99, mm. and one of the things, this is one of the things I've always pointed out about the, the problem with NXT UK is that actually WWE has always succeeded in the UK by just getting us to care about the Americans. And so, like, do, do you guys remember the Rebellion pay-per-view, which was like his first appearance in Britain after he signed him with what was then WWF? When he threw and, the bin at Stephanie McMahon's head. Uh, <laughs> yes, he did, he did throw the bin at Stephanie McMahon's head. But, like, he was not overwhelmingly cheered. Mm. Um, in that show, because what happened is, is back in, you know, back in like the dark era of WWF, they kind of were relying on local stars and local patriotism. In 1999, they're back on fire on all cylinders in the same way, whereas I, as a young Mark in 1990 or 1991, was all about Hulk Hogan and my stretcher Armstrong. No, the, we were all in 99 all about Steve Austin and Rock and Test. It was a different era, believe us. Um, so he was a big deal. That that Wembley Stadium sellout is a tremendous achievement. Mm. But I do think people sometimes get ahead of themselves. So the reality is, in terms of WWF fandom in this country, the Americans were the big stars. You know why? Because if the British guys could be the big stars when British Bulldog left WWF after that 1992 uh, SummerSlam, he might have been able to create his own British promotion while we'd have to go back via WCW back into WWF. Um, and I think it's one of the insights that WWF had that they have lost sight of by wasting so much money and energy with NXT UK and that warehouse in Enfield. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I sort of get your point there, Will, but I remember, I don't know what it was like in the Midlands, but certainly around here in Yorkshire, I remember, you know, when you're wrestling with your mates in the school playground and, you know, cracking your mate's head open, trying to do a pile driver and what have you, everyone wanted to be a British Bulldog. He was like absolutely <laughs> enormous in sort of like 91, 92. And yeah. when he used to go to these shows at Arena, at the Sheffield Arena, he was easily the most over person on those cards that featured like Undertaker and Sid Justice and the like. I think the thing for me, it's like, it's the difference between the WWE Hall of Fame and the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Like, Big Daddy's never getting in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. <laughs> Sorry, Alan Cheapshot, it's not happening. Uh, I voted for him as well. But, you know, I think for him, you know, the arguments would be, well, he was such a household name. You talk to... Uh, there's a better argument, and Alan will make it. If you ever meet him, buy him a pint, he'll tell you. But, you know, you could speak to your granddad and he knew who Big Daddy was. You can speak to your, your people, the people you know at work who don't follow wrestling, they know who Big Daddy is. Not enough to get him in the Observer Hall of Fame. British Bulldog, I think, 
same thing. Most people, I think, if I talk to talk about wrestling, people they go, "Why are you going to Germany this weekend?" And I'll say it's for wrestling. British Bulldog might well come up. He's a name people know, and I think with WWE Hall of Fame, that's kind of all you need, or, or you just need to be in Vince's good books. Uh, I think he's enough of a name people know, even if maybe yet yeah, you can question you know, how big a draw he was. Aside from that one big monster gate maybe there was a wcw uh saturday afternoons on itv that uh that popped the monster rating when he uh when he toured through there uh maybe that's a that's a something he's got at his back pocket too you could say from a draw point of view but purely from like a name point of view he does feel like the biggest name um that we've got as far as people who went over to america and quote unquote made it um, and it is mainly based on those early 90s years and a lot of it is based on nostalgia, the likes of us um, who would yeah, wrestle in the back garden and do running power slams. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's one that I think it's a, it's a nice thing to do and it's just something to kind of like placate the, uh, the British wrestling fans and the European wrestling fans and something that I'm actually quite surprised that they didn't do earlier. Uh, I do wonder, are they going to do, are we doing Davy Boy this year? Do we get Dynamite next year? Probably not, but you know. Maybe, maybe that could happen one day. They will never, ever <laughs> in the Hall of Fame, just to, yeah. just in case people read his autobiography. Uh, Imagine being such a bad person that you can't get in the WWE Hall mm. of Fame. <laughs> I mean, we mentioned Wembley a couple of times there, and uh, that some other news came out this month that uh, WWE's been in talks with six stadiums in the UK to hold mm. one of the big four events uh, sometime next year. I mean... This news was reported in The Sun, and uh, Benno will know better than anybody that any news report there should be taken with a massive handful of salt. But um, Don't buy The Sun. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> but, I mean, um, but Will, would you be interested in another UK SummerSlam or WrestleMania? I suppose their excuse was about the timing of it, but uh, you know, with the WWE Network and things now, it's, uh, that point is, is fairly mute, I think. Well, funnily enough, I actually wrote an article back in the good old days when FSM was still around about this point. And my argument has always been is they should do one. It would be a, it, it would be a tremendous show of strength uh, for um, the promotion because basically none of us will go to a WWE house show um, unless somebody drills like a, drills into our head and takes the brain out. But I think all of us would try and get down for a stadium super show because that that would be important, and it would be like a happening, and it would it would be like well this is this is our chance to see what happened in 1992, um, which was like it was kind of critiquing some of the exaggerated uh, statements about how big a star Bulldog was. Like I know people who mention 1992 SummerSlam when you mention you like wrestling. It was a big deal. And the reality is, I mean, I think sometimes people say, how can WWE fill a stadium um, when their popularity is so declined? It's like, we are a country of 65 million people. You have Ireland, you have France, you have Germany, who are all, you know, the Benelux countries who are all very close to us in terms of traveling, particularly if you do it in London. Actually, getting like 60,000, 70,000 people into a stadium isn't that difficult. Um, you know, NFL can do it. And even now, I'd say WWE, or I know WWE has more fans in this country than, than the NFL. You just have to look at the, the viewing figures. And I, I think the great advantage, all they'd have to do is cancel one of the tours. So rather than doing 10 shows in a fortnight or in a week, just cancel all of them 
and just do one big show. Because that means that the people, now say where I live, rather than than considering going to Birmingham to see the house show they do in Birmingham, me and other people who want to see WWE Action Live travel down to London. But what you get for that is something that will draw in the hardcore fans, but will draw in media attention. Because I don't think most people in this country realize WWE, even now, can do five, 6,000 uh, crowds for their house shows uh, in terms of the mainstream media. Whereas if they could do an 80,000, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 crowd in a Wembley, in a Millennium Stadium, in a uh, Tottenham's new ground, that would be a big media story. Make them seem hot. They've got a good story of how well the BT viewing figures have held up since the move from Sky. I, I think it's a no-brainer myself. I personally yeah. want to see it just to see all the piggyback promotions. I mean, TNT could step in and do a Joey Janela spring break at your club. You could have for the love of wrestling guys doing their own version of WrestleCon. I think it'd be a fantastic weekend in London. Oh, I'd enjoy that. And it would have to be, you know, to Will's point, it would have to be a big show. I don't think it has to be WrestleMania, but I think it has to be SummerSlam at least uh, to, for it to make any kind of sense. Uh, I think thing is though, I think depending on what their deal looks like for their big pay per views, I think maybe we had a window there with the network where it didn't hugely matter what time of day a paper a big pay per view was going on. I wonder if they move back to a more focused pay per view model or ESPN Plus or however they end up in the in the United States. Whether we actually find out we missed the window for something like this, I mean, yeah. you, you noted the source there for the story there, the Sun Martin. Mm. Uh, I mean, I would be a scouser if I didn't say justice for the night six. Don't buy the fucking sun but um as far as like i don't I, this is the kind of rumor that comes up a lot uh, and it, it is a story that kind of every year or so we, yeah. we end up talking about as a as a possibility but it's partly because as will said it's such a no-brainer to do and it has been for the last couple of years especially the wwe network is that it's been a surprise they haven't done it and from a wwe point of view as well it's a sh- it'd be a shocker if they don't do it before aw come out here like, that's their playbook, isn't it? They're, they're not going to want AEW to do what TNA did and have TNA had a relatively healthy home over here for a good number of years where when they were struggling to do tapings in the US, they easily could have come over here four times a year and got loads of tapings in in front of massive packed crowds and looked like the biggest promotion in the world, at least from a European perspective. You would think WWE would be thinking that and, and you know not wanting AEW to get a, a big stronghold you know, in an area where they've kind of, they've done good business over the years, but they've not done that one big thing and given that one big show. Yeah, I think they're going to want to beat a, a company like that to the market. And maybe that would, that could motivate the story, you know, despite uh, where the new story's coming from this time to, to come true. Yeah, because um, you say it comes up every year. And I remember even Boris Johnson, when he was mayor of London, I think someone asked him about it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And he's like, Boris, fucking prime minister now, you know, do what you want. Just put on fucking WrestleMania in London and, you know, make us happy. That'd be fantastic. Do something good. Just very quickly, uh, just to go back to uh, Ben's point, one thing to remember is AEW effectively own a stadium in the UK. Yeah. If you remember the Cons own Fulham Football Club, they own Craven Cottage. They 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 could I've always said this, if I'm AEW, their first show, put it in Craven Cottage. Even if you like Martin, you love seeing you love seeing shows like this. There are ways to shoot 
a show in a football stadium, if you don't sell the whole thing out where it still looks good, you just shove the ring into the corner. And I think we we last saw it for wrestling last year with the um, the Knight Family Show at a Norwich uh, Football Club's ground. Mm. If I'm AEW, I use Craven Cottage because I I think they could sell it out. Like, I think there's such pent-up demand to see AEW for the first time, their first mm. big stadium, stadium show. I think, I think they could sell it out if they, if they were to do it. Yeah, I think that's a bridge too far, a full fucking football stadium. <laughs> I think that's a big ask. Craven Cottage is quite small, so I don't yeah, think it's more than 30,000. Mm, I don't think AEW could draw 30,000 personally. They could do 10. Mm. Even if they can't, if you own a stadium... You get the parking uh, fees. You get the concession fees. No, you get X, Y, Z. And there's a way to highlight another part of the calm portfolio. No, give some uh, love to Fulham Football Club on a show that's going to be talked about on American TV. So, so like, I'm sure part of what I'm sure WWE have, have had the same thought process. And like, oh, actually. Maybe AEW might beat us to a, a open air stadium show in the UK because they have disadvantage. We better get in there first. Mm. Um, the 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 other thing on just in terms of the 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 amount of shows you could have. You're right. I mean, like London is perfectly positioned to do this because you have your call, you have Resgal next to each other, you have the electric ballroom for a progress society to do stuff. You know, you have uh, the cockpit. You actually have, I mean, I don't know if anybody would be there run it because of what happened with Silver King. Where that uh, promotion ran, the Roundhouse, is a wonderful venue for, for pro wrestling. So, yes, it, it, so it would be immense. And that's why I think you actually could get away with it not being a big four show. You could actually give it, like, a bit like what New Japan did with Royal Quest, give it its own, like, goofy title, Royal Mania, whatever you want to call it. Um... And just say like this is Britain's WrestleMania, and we're going to go forward with this as an, like an annual stop, like the NFL's international fixtures. Finally, I think we all need. If you want to see the Stadium Super Show happen in the UK, root for Peacock to get the uh, pay per view rights, because Peacock, uh, the any NBC streaming service, the plan is for that to come to this country, whereas I don't think they are the same plans for ESPN Plus. So if Peacock gets the WWE rights, maybe uh, that make it a bit easier to sweeten the pot for uh, a, a show to come over. Either way, the WWE starts to use geo-blocking more on their network. That makes it a bit easier to say, okay, we're going to do this super show in the UK, but in the UK it's a pay-per-view. Yeah, I can't so believe... Really... Sorry, Benio. I was just going to say, I can't believe Will Curling's uh, pushing for the return of UK-only pay-per-views. We were only just talking about Rebellion. <laughs> Do we want those days back? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Remember I, that? Yeah. <laughs> I've always argued for them. Like, I, 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 actually, I remember um, having a whole storyline in my head. And you remember this, more. Do you remember when um, Ricky Hatton fought, fought Manny Pacquiao yeah. and Dave Batista walked um, uh, Manny Pacquiao down to the ring? Yeah, and he's gone back I, and said that he wished he'd not done it now. I had this whole storyline in my head where they they used that as the the kind of the launch pad for Ricky Hatton Dave Batista match, and they do that as a headlining match of a UK only pay per view. 
Mm. Well, I saw yeah, Ricky well, Hatton host Roar when it came to Sheffield, and um, yeah, he wasn't the best. <laughs> in it, be or maybe he'll come back for one night only, twenty twenty. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll come out with a flag like Lennox Lewis did at um, SummerSlam. So there you go. Anyway, last WWE story, and uh, you know, if you all saw the pictures and the footage, uh, Benno's former opponent Jack Gallagher made his return to. 205 oh. Live this past week, sporting a new look, new tattoo, and no umbrella. I mean, looking more like uh, Conor McGregor out here, Benno. Uh, but I suppose he was going nowhere with the English gentleman gimmick, so he did have to, uh, you know, change it up a bit. To, and it certainly got um, him a lot of news and press. That poor fellow, what an intro, Benno's former opponent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. Um... Yeah, when I when I first met him, he was doing a Jack Toxic Punk gimmick with green hair and baggy trousers. So you know he, he's known to switch his look up when he uh, switched to being Jack Gallagher, and yeah, he's, he's done it again. I can't say it's the best look. Uh, it's I mean the things people do to stand out on two hundred five live. My God, um, but I think yeah, maybe they're trying to push more because he does do MMA fights uh, in real life, and he has always trained in jiu-jitsu. They are moving, you know, in that direction. Uh, I mean, it's not the worst new tattoo I've seen in wrestling this week, but it's, uh, <laughs> it was definitely um, a bit of a shock to the system to see him uh, dressed like that. I don't know. I, unfortunately for, for Jack, as talented as, talented as he is, he's kind of someone he missed the NXT UK boat, didn't he? he was and not, not that it's a very good boat to get in, but before NXT UK, yeah, he, he got tied up. He did, he did, he did. But then the thing is, unfortunately, he ended up on whatever the sister ship was to the Titanic in 205 Live. And he's just never, he had that one appearance, didn't he, in that rumble with his umbrella. Um, And then that that was kind of the high point of his WWE career, unfortunately. He's just never really quite fit in. uh, Where There's so many other places you could see him fitting in better. Uh, But yeah, getting more TV time, good. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely definitely an interesting look to say the least. Yeah, yeah. even with Noam Dar, they you know he he was on Raw and everything, weren't he? And then they've kind of like allowed him to sort of like come back to the UK and he's doing more NXT UK and ICW. But with Jack Gallagher, he just seems to be sort of wasting away on two or five live. Mm. I don't think he wants to leave Florida. I think that's the issue. Because no, I think, I think I mean. has moved back to uh, Scotland. Um, yeah, it's very sad. I mean, like. This is actually because between that punk look and the English gentleman, he actually had that look that was very similar to this. Like I think mm. he had, he'd done the when he faced Davy Richards. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, like, it does seem like he's just going back to that. I mean, if, like, I always, whenever I see get Jack Gallagher, I just remember I got to see the documentary. I think it's Figure Four Productions did about him, and it's heartbreaking because, like, that was just as he'd signed for WWE after the uh, Cruiserweight Classic. Mm. And they were talking about, you know, this journey has came on, how what clever mind he's got for the business, how he's grown this character, how he lives this character, and how, you know, if he puts it, you know, whatever he wants, he can achieve because he's got such a great mind for the business. And you see where he's came from. And by the way, if uh, NXT UK is the Titanic, 205 Live is the Hindenburg. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anyway, shall we uh, move on to some some, uh, Red Pro? Because obviously the high-stakes card on the 14th of February at your call uh, a few weeks ago now, but saw three title changes. Dichelle saw Giselle Shaw beating Zoe Lucas for the women's belt, Mike Loku picking up the cruiserweight belt, and then 
Will Ospreay solidifying his move to heavyweight by beating Zack Sabre Jr. finally for the Red Pro heavyweight title. I mean, before we get into the matches themselves, obviously, you two were there live for this one and I watched on VOD. Uh, Red Pro had a pretty poor 2019, but uh, this seemed like a big return to form for them, Benno. Yeah, it really did. It washed out the bad taste in the mouth I think most of us have for Rev Pro in 2019. Um, yeah, I, I, I walked out of this show, you know, speaking to people, spoke to Will a little bit, spoke to Joe and JP, spoke to quite a few people and pretty much everyone to a man was either smiling or high-fiving or just made up with how great this show was. I, would, I was thinking about it then, like, is there a better British wrestling show I've been to? I'm not sure there is. I didn't really think about it in those terms on the night. But you give me a show with the semi-main and main event that this has got. You give me a show with LA Park and Eddie Kingston brawling all over the place and almost taking Will and his son out in the crowd at one point. <laughs> uh, you know, you've got a top-to-bottom entertaining show from my point of view. Uh, yeah, honestly, I think this really, really changed. I think Rev Pro needed it absolutely desperately needed it considering the year they had last year and considering you know things just not going their way and both you know of their own making and you know some of the strange booking they did we mentioned David style earlier um and just you know generally the continued story over the last couple of years of them using talent and you know not quite being able to replace them um both again at their own fault and and because of external factors but it, yeah it really did feel like a a reset for the company Zack Sabre Jr his title run you know didn't really exist uh, as far as I'm concerned in Europe <laughs> yeah what did they have one match in the last year or so in Manchester I was at it I don't remember it um it just it didn't exist it, it was a new Japan belt uh, and it has been a new Japan belt and there are positives to that you like we said on our last show you you shot window for that reason um, you, you know, people on New Japan World get to hear about this Red Pro British company, but unless you can capitalise that uh, on that in the UK, then what does it really mean? And this felt like a big reset to you know to put the belt on an Osprey who seems you know like he's gonna be you know committed to doing British throws throughout the year. So we've all got that to look forward to. Like you say, the title changes. You know, put the belt on people we can be hopeful for, like a Michael Oku over the year to see how he develops. It really did think like apart from maybe. You you know, the VOD that I'm sure you can go into, Martin, that was a bit of a disappointment when I came to watch, uh, rewatch some of these matches back, at least from a live crowd point of view and from a reputational point of view, this did put RevPro, you know, back in the forefront as one of the top promotions in Brit Res. It's, yeah, it's crazy what one great show can do for your reputation. I mean, that's the thing about the VOD because it, it was interesting seeing everyone's reactions to it. Obviously, first time people maybe watching Red Pro, but it's, it's always been crap. It's, it's yeah. like, it was absolutely no yeah. surprise to me. Uh, obviously, <laughs> if it is true that it's just the trainees, you know, you can't really blame them. You know, here's a camera, go and film some wrestling. You know, you can't really blame them because, I mean, filming live events is like one of the hardest things to do and get right. But they've had so many years to get it right now, and it, it does make you wonder if. Is they, they're getting so much revenue through their on-demand service that they actually don't really care. Because it's all right buying new cameras, but you can have the best camera in the world, and if someone doesn't know how to use it, then it's still going to look crap. And parts of it just make you feel dizzy at points. But, you know, yeah. I, I wasn't coming in. But if it's going up on New Japan World and things like that, it has to improve, doesn't it? I mean, get get a G-Man or someone, and he's not perfect, but get someone like that to come in and at least... You know, you'll have, you'll have um, a bit of a better production on no, things. It's, it's simpler than that. Look, 
I get the kind of the desire to do like, you know, this kind of up close professional shoot. But I said, they are using training. You can tell. You can tell when they're when you're there live that that's what they're using. Mm. If you don't have people who can who are professional cameramen or even amateur cameramen, if you don't have the equipment such as I mean, Joe um, was talking about this in your um, podcast, Benno, about the uh, stabilizers you can have for cameras and stuff like that. If you don't have that, use the hard cam. Better yet. Have the hard cam. I mean, anybody who's been to your call knows what a hard cam is because it's it's basically as you go up to the balcony, it's it's there opposite the ring entrance. So use that hard cam, but why not have a second hard cam on one of the balconies at the side, or and like do what boxing does, where they have one at, but they have one opposite where the ref pro is, so you have you can do reverse angles. Just use a hard cam more because when they actually use the hard cam, the hard cam was beautiful. That was what was so frustrating about this. Like, we all know RevPro's uh, production values are a bit are bad, although actually the Uprising show, the previous show, although that was a terrible, terrible show that made me really fear for the promotion's future, that actually looked quite good on VOD by RevPro standards because apparently they had somebody telling the trainees what to do. Hmm. But, like, just shoot the hard cap. Do a single shoot or two shoot if you can get another fixed camera no, at a side angle. And then you just have one guy who is a roving cameraman who is only used to capture brawls. Because I don't think anybody minds if when they brought in the crowd, it's a bit jerky, it's a bit gonzo-style shot. It's not perfect, but I don't think anybody would kick off. It was a fact that when they were having moves done in the ring, when they're having the ring announcements in the ring, you couldn't get a straight angle where you know there's a hard cam that captures it brilliantly. Yeah. <laughs> like it is really frustrating. But it, it's it's like, obviously, Josh Bevan, um, his interview with James, he, talk, he went into quite a lot of depth about, you know, you feel like you owe it to the wrestlers to give them a good presentation and everything. But then he also said on the flip side, it's the cost, and he's the only one yeah. willing to, you know... And from the month, so there has to be some kind of in between where you know you're not spending so much money on it, but also it doesn't look as bad as it does here. And, and the levels on the on the commentary, it's like, you can control this so you know, bad. How, how is it so bad to control the the levels on that sound? It's just like oh. ripping through your TV when you're watching it. I was literally re-watching before this podcast and I was worried my neighbours were going to come and knock on the door. That's how Landau allowed Andy Quilden got up some points. But this, but this is my point. It's like, I'm saying Rep Pro needs to do less. Not more. Because I, I understand that Andy, no, Andy Quilden is in that weird position. He's, one of the, he's the only guy who is doing a super indie in the UK who needs to pay his mortgage off these shows. Because I like, know hey, Josh. No, Josh has a, a real a real job. You know, someone like Martin Zaki, um, Fight Club Pro has a real job. Obviously, the guys who own Progress have real jobs. You know, Quilden is the one where his money comes from RevPro. That's where he pays his mortgage with. Um, that's how he puts food on his table, to use an expression. <laughs> so, so I get he can't do the rip tights. I can kind of get why you can't use G-Man, but I'm, I'm, I'm more suspicious than that one. Because, like, if some of the other promotions can afford him, because, like, he does what? He does, he does Fight Club. Fight Club's a big promotion. We also does places like Wrestling Resurgence and Attack that aren't actually that big. So if they can afford him, 
surely RevPro can. But even if he doesn't want to do that, just do less. Like you look at how New Japan shoot the shows when they don't have either uh, TVSI or previously Access in America providing the, the camera crew. What they do is they get a camera and they fix it into a corner of the arena and they do a single camera setup. That's, no, look at those Super Jacob matches. That's what they did for the Super Jacob because it wasn't being shown on Access. So they didn't have a professional camera crew and they had to shoot it themselves. They just fixed the camera in the corner and they shot the whole thing off the hard cam. Mm. Just do that. That show would have been so much better to watch live if it had just been a hard cam for the entire thing. I mean, uh, speaking of, from your two guys' live perspective, it did seem, I mean, mm. you know, your call crowds have been, you know, got some criticism in the past for sitting on the rands and stuff. But especially in the Oku match, I mean, I really enjoyed that match. Uh, ELP sort of bullying him for most of the match, working over his knee with Oku making some brief comebacks only to pick up the win via submission. And I know we slagged WWE for their moment booking, but that was a great moment with the crowd erupting for his win, him jumping into the crowd, and he looked fantastic in this, working from underneath, and I thought a really good match, Bennett. Yeah, it was a WWE-style match done well. It was kind of my take. I watched it live, and I think I think there's a difference. It's not a match like this, because the crowd's so loud. I'm part of that crowd, and I'm getting swept up into it, and I'm just cheering for anything anything Michael Oku does and desperate for him to win, and you're, you're so partisan. And it was dead interesting to come back and, and watch this one on VOD and see it a second time and see that structure to it. And it did feel like a big WWE moment, but a big, you know, epic you know, the, the type of effort maybe they go for on takeovers sometimes, kind of match, but just done perfectly. Like, yeah, I, I, this was like an absolutely perfect heel in El Fantasmo against the perfect heel in Michael Oku. Like, Michael Oku is nowhere near the finished article, but what you can't teach a wrestler is what he's got. Like, there were points in this match where I was, even when I was watching it at home before we recorded tonight, you know, when he, when he, he grabs the, the, the half crab and he's kind of motioning for the crowd to get behind him. And I just remembered that feeling. You know, I was already standing up, but standing up even further and kind of roaring, wanting Oku to, to kind of to beat El Fantasmo. Like, he, that, he's really got something. He's got a charisma and he's got something about him that makes people want to side with him. And again, that's the stuff you can't teach. So, yeah, watching this live and, and, and seeing Oku even better than he was you know, the, la- the last time I saw him, tail end of last year, there's there's every reason to be really hopeful about Michael Oku going forward because yeah, based on this performance, uh, I, I think the hype will be real with him and yeah, Al Fantasmo as well. Like Michael Oku is a success story for RevPro this last year, but we forget what a success story Al Fantasmo is. Like he came out, didn't he, with no name? Who was El Fantasmo when he came out? Other than half of us thinking, "Oh, who's this Angelico ripoff?" Yeah. <laughs> like he, he was nobody on those Red Pro shows. He was in throwaway multi bands, and he got over as a babyface. So I suppose you can't entirely credit Red Pro because he did have that moment where he just kind of switched, and all of a sudden he was Bullet Club El Fantasmo. But he bosses that ring, and he comes across as a as the confident dickhead that you know that he, that I think his character is supposed to be, and that 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 he comes across as sometimes too. And I thought he was absolutely brilliant in the match as well. For his part in making you bite on every every Oku near fall, even just starting the match with that, you know, with the with the belt shot uh, and starting from 
basically the heat section of the match and, and going straight into it. It was just perfect. It was done perfectly. You did have, like you say, your kind of your epic moments near the end of the match. Maybe it's my bias from being there live, but you know the, the complaints I have over NXT's epic style weren't here for me. It felt real uh, and it felt like the right match to do it in. And it was a match that easily, and you wouldn't have said this a year ago, Mike Loco and El Fantasma shouldn't be able to headline a York Hall. It felt like this easily could have been the headliner. And you know, luckily we had the British match of the year contender following it that, that could follow it. But on any given night, like this would absolutely have been the match of the night. I mean, let's just be clear. You can't give Repro any credit for what El Fantasmas became because he was a baby <laughs> <Forgetting> better. <laughs> <laughs> because he was a baby face until he went to New Japan. And like we've talked about this before, but obviously I'm in Wolverhampton, I go to Black Club Pro. So like mm. I think I've seen a lot of I've seen more of El Fantasma than most through Wasted Black Club Pro, some of the other smaller indies nearby. And you know, he was a white meat baby face with a dance entrance. You know, he was basically a guy, you know, you know, everybody loved him. He was doing these scramble matches, doing his cool spots. And New Japan, for whatever reason, wanted him to be a heel. So I think when it, when it was announced, we were like, oh, that's a bit weird. And he has ran with it, and he has ran with it. And I thought this was his best performance as a heel. So I think one of the issues he's had um, is incorporating his flashy style with being a heel. And here, uh, there was no point where he did a spot where it's like, ah, you know, that 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 actually endears me to you. That's too that's too impressive, and I want to cheer you. Which uh, even his best match, like match against Will Ospreay, he'd do something. It's like, oh no, my God, what, what a talent you are! Here, he was just a complete slime ball for the entire thing. Um, I, I do think with Oku um, as champion, there is an issue where he is not the smoothest guy in the ring. And I think he really benefits from working against veterans who can hide that. And I think Fantasmo and Pac um, do a great job with that. I mean, I, I think when I saw Oku at Progress's Natural Progression series, it's where you can start to see some of the rougher edges to his work. Um, but, you know, I think. I think the fans are are there for him to to watch him grow in, as champion, mm. um, watch him improve, watch him become more accomplished. This is why I am one of I think one of the few people who are, who is really pushing for him to be in the super, uh, best of super juniors, not to do great in it, not to become a New Japan regular, but to tell the story. You know, he is the British um, cruiserweight champion. I think as an affiliate promotion. Refro's champion should always be in that tournament. So I think that's a sign of respect in the same way Ring of Honor and CMLL get to send a few guys over, even if they're not going to be regulars in New Japan. And you can tell that story of, okay, this time he doesn't do too great because he's new, he's young. But then next year when he comes back, if he's still in Ref Pro, he's still the Cruiserweight champion, he does a bit better. Maybe at that point, New Japan actually want to take him, actually use him a bit more regularly. And that experience of working against top guys across a 19-day tour, I think would do him the world of good. Because I think he's got the big moves. He's got the persona. I think there are fundamentals that he could tighten that would be tightened by him doing a tour of New Japan, even if it's just as a guest spot. 
Yeah, it will certainly be interesting to see how he sort of like improves over the next months and years because it's like Benno said, he's certainly got a lot of stuff you can't teach and um, it's great mm. to see that the York Hall crowd have got behind him. But, I mean, let's jump into the main event because obviously this is one of my favourite combinations in wrestling. Osprey and Sabre Jr. had another fantastic match. <coughs> not, uh, not Just slightly under the level of the Walthamstow one from the other year for me, but still an absolute cracker here, Benno. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably have at about the, the same level. I think for me, I think this was, because it was building on the story of, of their previous matches and building on the story of that match that, you know, we all saw a week before on New Japan World, I think it emotionally resonated me, maybe with me on maybe a, a slightly higher level than the previous matches. But yeah, it's one of them. It's a pick really, between between these two guys and how great their matches have been. Plus, obviously, I've got my live bias too of, again, for a second match on the night, being there in the building, living or dying by the baby face winning. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. I loved that the, the kind of turned it on, on its head. You know, the new Japan match was very much Osprey for some weird reason, trying to kind of go technical with Zack Sabre Jr. And Zack Sabre Jr. Just having an answer for everything Osprey did. And in this match, you were rewarded for paying attention to that because Osprey was doing just little things slightly differently. He was catching Zack Sabre Jr. out with, with things that Zack Sabre Jr. caught him out on the, on the first match. You know, he was smarter about, you know, rolling out the ring at one point and smarter about, you know, not falling into those Zack Sabre Jr traps like he did in the first match and it made for just a, a really great story and you you combine that with you know Greg Burridge and what's the other guy's name is it Gary Vanderhome is it yeah. is his trainers from a Lucha, Lucha Libre school like with them on the outside kind of getting the crowd going so you've got that story of you know Osprey saying he, he wants to do the one thing he's not done in, in Brit Res which is to be the legitimate British heavyweight champion that was brilliant from a babyface point of view and just yeah the first class you know, exchanged from two of the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, I was sad for you, Martin, that you couldn't make the trip at short notice. I was, I was fuming myself. Like it took a, took a lot to, to make this trip, but you know, the fact that you can go to a show and, you know, for our complaints of announcing a show, a match like this, uh, a week out, which was kind of unfair to us poor Northerners uh, who hadn't already booked our tickets. Like the fact that you can, we, you can go for everything we might say about Rip Res and see two wrestlers this good, like literally world-class, call it Premier League level, whatever sport you want, top, literally top of, 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 of class as far as athletes go in this sport, like to get to see them two live up close and personal, have a match this good. Yeah, this was this this probably the reason to put it over the top for me is like the the best British show I've ever been to. Uh, it is just purely that combination of the semi-main and this main event. And yeah, you know, I've got plenty of criticism about the Rev Pro New Japan relationship, but this was a night where, you know, this is the the fruits of it for all the negatives to get to put a match like this on between two British guys who, you know, are, uh, you know, where Rev Pro guys originally and have now become New Japan guys, but to, to have them at this level now where they should be on a big New Japan stage and they should be, you know, wrestling in front of the tens of thousands of people, the fact that you can still see them have a match at this level in your call is something really, really special. I feel like I'm rubbing it in, Martin, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a big <laughs> thing for me. <laughs> Let me continue to rub it in, Martin, because I think one of the things I'd say is like, I think what this, sh- this match and this build showed was something I was talking about earlier, which is the advantage of New Japan not, you know, just making Andy Quilder and present New Japan UK shows with a IWGP UK title. But because it is Rev Pro, 
they can reach back into Rove Pro's seven-year history. And, of course, this title goes back further because it traces its lineage back to, I think, FWA. And so this felt like the culmination of years and years of stories. It's not like when you get NXT UK commentators talk about Trent Severs and NXT UK originals. NXT's <laughs> been on the air since November so October of 2018, what you're talking about, guys. Um, and I think what's great about this is that the issue with how Sabres Two Reigns last year went is it felt like a New Japan mid-card title. It felt they were doing stuff to help New Japan shows in America and in Japan more than uh, focusing on the British market. It, felt, it, it started to feel a bit like the WWF European title. This was rooted in its history in Britain. Mm. This was Will Ospreay talking about what it meant to him to win this title, how he had struggled to win this title in Britain. And it just made it feel really important because one of my um, idiosyncratic beliefs is a promotion can have as many titles as it wants. I, I don't believe in this thing of, oh, it can only have three or four titles, otherwise they don't seem important. The key thing is each title has to seem to represent something. It, no title should be secondary. You look at, say, the Intercontinental title in its heyday in the 80s. That wasn't a secondary title. That was a workweight title. You know, we you know people watching it then knew the likes of Bret Hart, Ricky, what they fought. Those are Bret Hart, Ricky Steenberg, Randy Savage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Mr. Perfect were too small to, to replace Hulk Hogan. But it felt like there was this little mini division. It was like, well, who's going to be the best worker? And you hear people like Chris Jericho talk about how the IC title was their title because they felt they were fighting with something that meant something. And here, this storyline made it feel like they were fighting for something that meant something. This was the British title. And I think, you no, know, the whole thing of you know, Will Ospreay winning a title around the corner from where he trained the first Your Call match between uh, Zack Sabre and Will Ospreay, just absolutely brilliant. In terms of whether this was the best Brit wrestler of all time, I mean, you know, due to marriage and stuff like that, like I, I only really started going to a lot of live shows at the, towards the end of 2016. But like, what I think really added to this show was not only did you have great matches, and uh, we're not we're not talking about things like. Um, the LA Park match or the uh, Dan Maloney Jeff Cobb match. What really added to this was that it was really professionally run. You know, it, it, it actually started a bit early, which is a bit annoying, but it started pretty much on time. The intermission was short, it finished on time. Um, you know, like I think the, one of the best shows I've ever been to would be the first night of the first Dream Tag Team Invitational where you had British Strongstar versus the Elites. I think you were there, mm. Benno. I was. Uh, but that was like great action, but it was quite chaotically run. It's not the promotion's fault because they were winning a new venue. But like you had like a 45 minute intermission at some point. Like we all staggered out at gone midnight. Whereas this, it was tight. It was slick. Like you could, you could have put this on ITV. You could have put this on, on uh, BT Sports. So you got a professional camera crew in. Because this is a nice, slick, three-hour presentation. Um, 
Just one thing. Um, it was quite funny because, I, I, as Ben mentioned, I took my stepson as a birthday treat, and I did go to him and say, "Yeah, these it is, he was, it's his first time coming to London for a wrestling show." I went to him when we were leaving. Yeah, they're not normally this good, right? <laughs> don't, don't, don't get it warped the next time I bring you down. Hmm, that's quite funny. Well, because, yeah, they have got another big York Hall show coming up in May, Epic Encounter, and uh, new champ Osprey is going to face off against David Starr. Zack Sabre Jr. seems like he's going to be facing off against Eddie Kingston. So, shaping up to be a good card there. And, Benno, do you think the Star and Osprey is going to be a mate good for uh, last year's match, which was very controversial, to say the least? I'm going to have to watch it now, aren't I? I managed to avoid that one. That, the, the week we were reviewing it on this show, reviewing it on Grapple, I was off. Uh, and then, yeah, I, did, I didn't end up watching it to catch up at year end, and I managed to avoid it. I'm going to have to watch it now, aren't I? And give my take <laughs> and get, get on one side of the aisle or the other and start, instead of playing the middle like I have this far. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that's it. They're going back to it. For, you know, I think they go back to it either way, but I think it will. If this show... Watch the bad taste out of Rev Pro 2019. That this is just a, a nice little extra thing for you know. It wasn't everybody. I know you were a fan of it. Well, uh, Joe and JP were fans of it as well. But there were plenty of people who weren't fans of the uh, the, the, the shenanigans in the last Osprey Star match. I think this is the one where for those people it is like you say, yeah, the make good where you do get there's two belts on. It's a unification match. It's gonna be about the belts. It's gonna be about the straight match. You might get some shenanigans from Star, but we're not gonna get full uh, Andy Quilden in the ring throwing fisty cups. So yeah, I think in the build up to this one, I, I owe it a journalistic duty to watch the first match and compare the two. Uh, but yeah, I do think there's definitely something to that that it's gonna be a, a good uh, cleanser for uh, yeah the people who were fans of that one last year. Well, I suppose with Red Pro now they seem to have a, it seems to be more stable than they were last year. They seem to have a solid roster that um, now they're doing these south side towns. They seem to be you know they seem to have um, a decent roster to do these towns. Obviously, you know while you guys are off to Carrot, um, Red Pro are coming to Sheffield this weekend. Obviously, never huge crowds for the south side shows at these events. Um, but Kyle Fletcher, E. Clark, Connors, Jay Lethal, V. Shota, Umino. Always a lot of fun at these corporation nightclub shows, so looking forward to that one. I mean, with this show and Breed making the comeback on the 28th of March, uh, they've got a good-looking card. Big Gun show against Chris Ridgway, Modern Hype, Open Challenge show. It's a, it's a good month for me for these local shows, 10 minutes <laughs> in my house. But, um, yeah, it's good to see Red Pro have got some... Um, stability in terms of the roster that they're using and they've got a lot of regular towns that they they seem to be running now um, well, will yeah i think i think the thing is, is that red pro last year basically fell into the ecw trap where they weren't basically they couldn't give guys enough dates to have a consistent um um a, a consistent roster but they were so big that you'd expect it like they, they got to the point where they were they were too big to be small, but they were too small to be big. And I know some of these shows don't do very well. It has to be said, some of the Southern shows have actually done very well. The Stevenage shows, um, I, I briefly glanced at the VOD to see see Rhino towering over Dan Maloney. Um, um, actually did very well in terms of crowds. So like this, this greater circuit for Pro means that they can say to guys, look, we will give you four or five dates a month if you stick with us. And I think you're starting to see guys show 
um, like I wouldn't say loyalty, but like they're, 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 you're starting to see guys like kind of prioritize Rev Pro, Rev Pro being able to build around a nucleus. Like, um, you know, people like Shakara, people like Dan Maloney, Gazelle Shaw, obviously, is a women's champion. Someone like Cal Fletcher, Carlos Romo. Like, they've got a nucleus. I mean, Andy Quilden, um, maybe after a f- maybe after a few uh, beers, whilst not putting up his mailbag Q&A podcast, um, <laughs> t- tweeted out that he's got his best roster ever. Um, and like, that's probably not true. But, like, it's good to see him, like, enjoy him promoting because I think we all feared for Rev Pro by the end of 2019 because that, I mean, I've said it before, like, that uprising show felt like an exhausted promotion. It actually felt very Ring of Honor and um, that was relying on kind of second-tier New Japan matches to elicit any interest. And it now feels like they've got their groove back. Um, that star Osprey match is fascinating. That feels too soon to me. I assumed we were getting Osprey versus somebody else and star versus Haskins on the Epic Encounter. Um, again, talking about the politics of it. Um, I personally think star is so good. He should be in AEW. I think his gimmick now would work really well as kind of like a, he, a, a cool heel in AEW. Because um, the union stuff works really well as a heel if you're going up against a promotion run by wrestlers. You know, is, is, you know that could be his swan stop. Maybe he's going to lose Osprey again and then go into the sunset. Or maybe he's going to win and it's going to be part of him really committing to Rev Pro. So, yeah, that would be a big match. And, yes, as, as I really enjoyed the uh, Star Osprey match. I thought it was excellent. But um, I imagine it will be more serious than the last one. And uh, moving across London to uh, Progress, who have been making a bunch of announcements this month. They'll be running Leeds for the first time on the 10th of May, and they've made some announcements for Super Strong Style 16 weekend. Uh, announced for the tournament so far, you've got John Gresham, Chris Ridgway, Travis Banks, Rampage Brown, Ilya Dragunov, and Paul Robinson. So... No big surprises there, really. And uh, also for that weekend, they've been—they're going to be holding a Keiju Big Battle show and a, a concept show called Extreme Attitude 1998. I mean, they're no strangers to putting on these time warp shows, um, and this seems to be set firmly in Attitude Era WWE. If, uh, I mean, Benno, thoughts on this Attitude Era tribute show from Progress, and um, any idea what we can expect from that one? Well, first thing to think about was to say, I'm not watching it, you can't make me. But it's actually not on VOD, <laughs> is it? So that's good. <laughs> I'm quite happy with that. Because it was weird, wasn't it? Like, uh, it was, those shows just, there was, it was, it was, it's after Super Strong Style every year, where you've got a bit of momentum. Remember when Star won Super Strong Style last year? And it's like, oh, that's a bit left field. Mm. I wonder what's going to happen next. You know what's going to happen next? A dopey show about 80s wrestling, where... You know, wrestlers are coming out and doing comedy comedy bits rather than being the, their own selves. If you've got to do it, at least they're doing it under, you know, <laughs> where it, it's not going to be seen by the people other than the people who decide to go for four. This is like a special after show kind of event. Um, 
I suppose it is the the obvious next step to do to do an Attitude Era tribute show. I mean, I, I don't know. To me, that just sounds like ICW. Uh, but you know, <laughs> if you got to if you got to, it's worked for them. So maybe it'll work for progress, and maybe they'll uh, this will become a regular thing. Uh, but yeah, it's not the type of thing I go to personally. But to be honest, I'm happy for the small mercies that it's uh, it's not going to be on BOD, and they can maybe build on some some momentum from Super Strong Style this year and and not be hamstrung by a, a month off. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, like so. Basically, the issue you have with super strong style is you go, it's four to eight, which is really convenient if you're a traveling fan. But if you're not a traveling fan, it's like the worst time because it's too early for you to do anything beforehand, and it's it finishes too late for you to do anything afterwards. It's neither fish nor fowl, and so like. You know, I I have been advocate I I advocate advocated in 2018 that they should start adding after sh- you know, after show in terms of wrestling events like they were doing weird stuff like you know Mark Andrews doing a concert or disco at Ali Palace like no you've got a bunch of wrestling fans just do another show just do an after show like like the spring break mo- spring break model I was like you've got Joe Janela the 2018 Super Strong style, why aren't you doing a spring bank holiday show? You know, just just do something like that. And so, like, they did Kandrew Big, Big Battle last year. I was at that show. It was a lot of fun. It's exactly what you wanted to see after, because I, I think that was on the fir- after the first night of Super Strong style, which was a really awful show. And I think that first night of Super Strong style We've got some much worse reviews from the people live if it hadn't have been for Country Big Battle. Because that show is so much fun that you meant you're leaving Ali Pali in a good mood. And so, yes, it makes perfect sense on the Saturday and Sunday, do an after show. And it means that the likes of me, who presumably I've not made my mind up yet, who are traveling down to go to Progress, get a bit more bang for our book. Because our train fare, our Hotel costs are fixed, and Ali Pali is too far away from anything good in London to actually get to do anything afterwards. So, yes, more shows is good. And like Benno says, having this, um, in theory, the, the chapter show after Super Strong Style should be like the Raw after WrestleMania for progress. It should be the, the show that, re- no, sorry, the show after the Royal, the war after Royal Rumble for progress, the show that kind of builds on the momentum that's came from the big setup show that is all guns blazing for the super show. And the two years they've done this cosplay show, it's been a fire break. It's killed that momentum dead. It's meant that by the time they actually pick up the threads of the storyline, most people have forgotten what's happened in super strong style. So yeah, moving it to an after show, Obviously, it not being a VOD was a necessity because the first time they did this in 2018, they was they, they, it was that brief window when they started to use real music again for like a couple of months. In 2019, they used the real music live and did all sorts of elaborate entrances. You watch it back on VOD and you've got like, Paul Robinson dan- uh, dance uh, dancing like Patrick Swayze to the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, whilst there's just some generic music being dubbed over, and it's like this is a waste of time. 
so yeah, no, it's it's the right move, and it will make Super Strong Star a much better weekend for people there live. I mean, in in more recent shows, obviously the old Chapter One Hundred Three Beer Snake City on the twenty third of February, um, pretty much a nothing show. I mean, Walter replacing injured Travis Banks' team with Anti Fun Police to face the Modern Hype trio. Modern Hype worked really hard, I thought, and it was a novelty to see Walter team with the Anti Fun Police guys. Uh, we also had a new champ, Karen Awar, beat Mark Andrews following a bunch of shenanigans with Eddie Dennis. Um, I mean, Benno, not the most memorable of shows from Progress here, I didn't think. No, I mean, I expected to be spending a lot of time talking about Mark Andrews and Karen Awar, but it was just a match, wasn't it? Mm. Like, it, I mean, I, I, Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston, sorry, Eddie Dennis jumping Karen Awar before he could finish his entrance, I suppose, was interesting. But I don't know, it says Mark Andrews on top in progress. If, there's not a more 2016 feeling wrestler in Brit Res, I don't think, than Mark Andrews. You can, you can give him a fancy jacket and make him a heel but he's still Mark Andrews doing the same spots he's been doing for the last three years. So really didn't excite me. Uh, and we don't know. It, it's a match on a build to a Cara Noir, uh, Eddie Dennis match that we're uh, presumably going to get at some point. But when are we going to get it? You know, is Eddie Dennis ever going to be cleared to, to wrestle in progress again? Uh, it's a sad thing to say, but like he might be better off just sticking to NXT UK and not continuing to, to stick around in progress and, and be at risk of injuring himself. But yeah, it really was. It kind of summed up the show. It was a match. You know, it was a three-star special. It didn't fill me with a... I, I like Cara Noir. I, I don't begrudge them trying a new guy. I mean, Lord knows how many years in a row did we criticize progress for not going with who was hot on their roster or going with them too late. They've gone, even, if anything, a little bit earlier with them. Uh, but yeah, so far, it's kind of been a bit of a listless uh, run atop for, for Kyra Noir. And yeah, this was, wasn't a match that made me think, oh yeah, there we go. He's a he's the top man in progress and you know he's going to be a great progress world champion. So yeah, I didn't really see that as the big story of the show. For me, I kind of the Eddie Kingston stuff on the show, uh, Adam on the man there, getting mixed up with Eddie Dennis, was the stuff that was memorable from the show for me. Like both from the point of view of the, the tag match with him and Scotty Davis against the Workhorsemen, who were a fantastic tag team. Gutted they're not doing single stuff with a this year because a tag league last year they were real standouts getting to the Eddie Kings to go back and forth with JD Drake the two the two beefy lads in the match kind of go just beating 10 shades of shit out of each other it was superb I thought Scotty Davis really blended well with Anthony Henry maybe with the more technical sides of the match as well and yeah I thought Eddie Kingston was absolutely phenomenal there and phenomenal later when he came out in probably for me the most newsworthy moments of the show when he came out and attacked Ilya Dragunov and caught a killer promo I mean it's Eddie Kingston so of course he did it's not a new story that he caught a killer promo but he caught a great promo about how you know he's, he was the guy who got everyone over over who went to AEW and he said like LAX owe him 10% of their salary. Uh, he was go- having to go and, you know, oh, he was better than Adam Cole, better than Matt Riddle, better than anything NXT UK as he said, which actually got booed, which I was surprised. I thought that might get a cheer. Uh, but he was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, the the line about uh, going after Ilya and then saying he was coming for his boyfriend too. Uh, you know, maybe sound- talking of attitude there, it sounded a little bit attitude there, that line. But, you know, I, I do like the fact that, you know, he's going he's going for Ilya so that he can eventually go for Karanoa. Maybe he can be like the 
the, the, the thing that spikes a bit of interest if he's uh, going to be around that longer in the UK to do a few with Karen Awar and be the big bad that maybe progress needs right now. If anything, yeah, for me, this was the, the Eddie Kingston show and yeah, I did expect to be more talking about that main event. I mean, I, I agree with anything when I said it. I mean, I thought that line um, was brilliant. Um, people could say it's homophobic and I wouldn't argue with them, but I thought the constant kissing spots between uh, Dragunov and Noir. Yeah, it's kind of business. So, you know, what, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned. And what, was, what I thought was brilliant was when I was watching that promo and he's talking of the artists. Maybe I was just being dense when I was watching it, but I, I thought of, you know, the Ric Flair line when he dismisses Terry Phone, like, you've been up north... Uh, making movies, you know, kind of like mm. we all we all make fun of WWE being acting and sports entertainment. So I just thought the constant references to acting was a kind of an was part of his anti WWE shtick. But it's only when he said that line about the boyfriend, I was like, oh yes, black no black swan, thespian stuff. He was building to this crescendo, and you realise he's good in for noir. I assume that match takes place in America. Oh yeah, they got the US shows coming up. They've got the show in America. I assume Kingston's will be you know, Kingston's an Evolve guy. I assume he's gonna be over there doing the Evolve shows. And of course that's a great way to kind of introduce Noir as a, as a new champion to um the Americans. And I've said this repeatedly, I do not think Noir should be should be champion. I do not think the gimmick suits being champion. I think people forget that there is there is a reason why when you listen to people talk about being champion in the old days or the indies, they talk about walking around the title belt or what press they do or X, Y, Z, because like, that's just important. I mean, I think you saw that on the uh, Revolution show for AEW, where Moxley could give this kind of rah-rah speech about the independent wrestling, about what the role champion should play. Noir's a moot. Like, when he had to do his post-victory interview with TalkSport, he had to completely break character because that character cannot do interviews. And there was a reason why The Undertaker, before they humanised him with the Mick Foley feud, had a shorter reign. Like, literally, The Undertaker, well, he debuted at the end of 1990. The Mick Foley feud was in 1996. In that period, The Undertaker, what, spent three days as WWF champion? Because, yes, you can have these special attractions, you can have these supernatural, animalistic characters in pro wrestling, but if the world title means anything, it, it is on some level real. Mm. There's some level, somebody who represents your promotion, it is somebody can talk to why your promotion is the best. Kai Nora cannot do that. He should not be champion. And I don't think this is progress breaking the habits that have got them into this cul-de-sac. I think this is progress doing the same habits that have got them into this position. In the same way they rushed the belt onto Travis Banks because he was hot in Fight Club Pro. The same way they rushed the belt onto Walter because he was hot in WXW. They've done it again. The same way they put they, they put the uh, number one contendership onto David Starr because he got some buzz after his video before Super Strong Style last year. They don't think through what they're doing. They just thought, Kai Nora's hot. Kai Nora's getting a load of buzz. 
through the matches he's doing Dragonov in progress, stuff he's done in Riptide. Let's put the belt on him. And they've got nothing for him to do. Mm. Yeah, it does feel like a dead end. Like I, I'm, I'm hopefully Eddie Kingston thing can maybe pull something out of it. But then again, Eddie Kingston's not going to be your next honestly, progress champion, is he? Honestly, like honestly, I'd put the belt on Eddie Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would if I was running a wrestling promotion. That's the first thing I'd do. <laughs> what a treat that man is! Like just to have him in Britain longer. Have you seen the pictures, Charlie? Uh, Charlie he, Evans, yeah. Charlie Evans has been putting on Twitter of of Eddie Kingston, like going across like lollipop crossings and just sitting in Weatherspoons having a pint and just generally being the, the treasure to wrestle in a year. Yeah, you don't have to, uh, to convince me. I'd book, I'd book any wrestling promotion around Eddie Kingston, never mind the Brit Res one. So, I mean, um, someone who has probably seen him over these past couple of months is uh, Andy Ogden, because obviously he's back this month uh, with, his, uh, with his usual section going under grabs. So, uh, Andy, over to Andy to talk uh, the weird and wonderful world of uh, the British wrestling under scene. Hello and welcome everyone to this edition of Going Undergraps, bringing you news of what has gone down in the world of the undergraps of British wrestling. This time focusing on the following shows, PCW in Lancaster, Future Shot Wrestling in Presswich, TNT Wrestling's Ignition Show in Liverpool, Chris Brooks' Last Stand at Schadenfreude and Friends in Manchester, and finally Tidal Wrestling bidding to say farewell to their time at the Temple of Boom. So let's start with PCW's debut show at the Cantina in Lancaster, which featured a Cruiserweight title tournament to crown a new champion to fill the void left by the former champion Dave Butch, who had to relinquish the title before the um, start of the year. Cantina as a venue is very similar to the Fairfield Social Club, which Future Shot Wrestling ran in Manchester, with many offerings of craft beer and street food on offer to keep the punters happy. PCW for this first show at this venue drew a healthy crowd of just over 250 on a wet and wild evening in the city of Lancaster. The tournament itself included four first round matches with the winners of them advancing to a four-way elimination final um, with the winner being crowned the new PCW Cruiserweight Champion. Said winners of their respective singles matches included Airwolf, AC, AC Striker and ICW Young Standouts Kieran Kelly and Leighton Buzzard. In a close to 20-minute finale, it will be Leighton Buzzard who would pick up the final victory on AC Striker, who was considered by quite a few people as one of the favourites going in. Overall, as a debut in a new city, this show was considered a great success with PCW planning to make a return on the 11th of April, with more events planned for further in the year. I would say, especially in the summer, this will be a great venue to watch the Graps in. PCW's next shows, which will feature in this next edition of Going Under Graps, is their annual Roll to Glory tournament taking place in Blackpool and Preston respectively on the 13th and 14th of March, with a number of Smash Wrestling regulars flying over to take part. Next up, Future Shot Wrestling returns to the Longfield Suite in Presswich on the 15th of February, with what could possibly be one of their final shows at the venue due to reports of the venue being demolished by the local council um, for housing accommodation, but this is something we, we will report further on in the future. Notes from this event included the final appearance of the Grizzled Young Veterans on UK soil before they flew off to NXT USA. Unfortunately, Zach Gibson, who was in attendance, was unable to compete, leaving his tag team partner, James Drake, to face his brother, Rob Drake, in his final match uh, for the time being in Future Shot Wrestling, which he duly won in good fashion. 
In a false count anywhere match, uh, we had what looked like to be a feud ender between former tag team partners Damon Lee, a big guns Joe, with the latter looking to get his first win in the promotion after many times of trying to do this. This match ended up being a show-wide brawl with the combatants disappearing outside for at least an hour before returning to finish the match in which uh, Big Guns Joe finally got his victory much to the happiness of the crowd in attendance. We also had the Young Guns defending their future shot tag team titles against the Synergy team of Troy Bartram and Anderson Daniels for whom they had a banger of a match last year with at the same time at, at, at the same venue. In what was a hard-hitting affair, it would be the Young Guns who would once again get the victory over Synergy after a gotch-kick pile-driver combination to retain their titles. Future Shot Wrestling's next show takes place on the 22nd of March as they make their return to the Stockport Masonic Guild Hall, which we will bring news of next time on Going Undergrats. TNT Wrestling held their first ignition show of the year at the Fusion Nightclub in Liverpool on the 16th of February. The Ignition shows are generally a showcase for some of the hottest up-and-comers on the scene, including the aforementioned Young Guns, Cameron Solis, Sonodus, and Tom Farewell, Big Guns Joe, and Scott Oberman, to name a few. Notable happenings from this show included a clash of two of the current best tag teams on the underground circuits with, with the best that the Northwest has to offer in the form of the Young Guns, taking on one of the best teams that Yorkshire has to offer in the form of Crash Ball, which is Jake Silver and Jack Bandicoot. In a match that would live up to the high expectations predicted by the crowd will be the Young Guns once again picking up another important win in what could be a pivotal year in their fledgling careers. The secondary TNT Ignition title was at the forefront of the show with the champion Sonodurs improving successful against NXT UK superstar Tyson T-Bone in the opener to the show. In TNT, Sonus shows a more cocky and bad guy persona to what he shows in Future Shot, which shows he has great versatility as a performer, whether he is a good guy or a bad guy. In the main event, we had a number one contender scramble between eight wrestlers who have competed in the ignition division over the past year in the promotion. Clocking in at close to 30 minutes, it would come down to Cameron Solis and Scott Oberman who have both had a rivalry in other local promotions, including Wrestle Island in Birkenhead, continuing this uh, into the end of the match. And after plenty of back-and-forth action, it would be Solis getting the victory to earn a future opportunity at the TNT English Championship. TNT's next shows are first back at the Fusion Nightclub for their second English show of the year. On the 15th of March, featuring AEW superstar Evil Uno taking on Sonna Derson. TNT's main shows return on the 17th of April at Hangar 34 as part of the Full of a Wrestling Convention, so keep a lookout for further information online for a promotion which is making all of the right noises in terms of promotion. Shard and Freud and Friends return on the 18th of February with their latest instalment of the ever-popular shows um, with the final UK appearance of Shard and Freud and CCK head honcho Chris Brooks before he made his departure to DDT in Japan for the next year. In Brooks' final match, he had to face um, a 20-person, one minute each, gauntlet, including Curtis Chapman, Eddie Kingston, Aaliyah James, Slash Morgan Webster, Eddie Dennis, and many more characters who've been prominent on these shows since the Schadenfreude lads took over the running of the shows from IPW. In what would be mixed fortunes for Brooks over the duration of the match, the final match will be 
tagging with Kid Like Us 2. We again see Hunter Brothers eventually getting the victory to end on a high note before giving his farewell speech to an emotional frog and bucket. Needless to say, Brooks has had a major impact on the scene with his marketing prowess of selling some of the best wrestling t-shirts on the market plus helping to make the Schadenfreude and Friends shows one of the hot, hottest tickets in town. Schadenfreude and Friends will be returning without Chris Brooks on the 31st of March with the announced match of Chris Dickinson taking on Kyle Fletcher. The show itself sold out in a total of 80 seconds but keep an eye out on Twitter as there are usually some spares floating around. Finally, Tidal Wrestling returned with their first show of 2020 at the Temple of Booming Leeds on Friday the 21st of February, with a stacked show including a double main event of David Graves defending his TCW heavyweight title against one of the one half of the young guns, Luke Jacobs, in a hard-hitting war, with in turn Luke Jacobs getting busted open along the way. Despite the blood, Luke would try his best to wrest the belt away. From the Yorkshireman, but it would be Graves getting the submission victory with the Gator Lock to cement what has been a great return from injury for him. David Graves is maybe one of the most underappreciated talents on the scene at the moment, but his collection of great matches recently in Tidal has opened up quite a few people's eyes to him. In the main event, um, we had a return match between two of the biggest wrestlers on the Tidal roster in the form of Rampage Brown and Will Cruz who squared off in a last-man-standing match. Certainly in this match, a few objects weren't left standing, including a set of pool table lights that fell from the roof after Rampage Brown was back-body-dropped into a sofa. Even fans were used as weapons here as the chaos ensued in the vegan cafe. After 20 minutes of prime beef meeting each other, it would be Cruz who would get the victory after hitting two Samoan drivers to Rampage to count him out for the 10 count and to put him right into contention for a Tidal Heavyweight Championship opportunity, but that may have been put on ice due to Cruz attacking the referee Cowboy John Parker with a Samoan driver to leave him laying. Tidal management have um, suspended Cruz for an extended period because of this. What a naughty boy. Away from the wrestling, it was announced during the show that the March 29th doubleheader will be the last to take place at the Temple of Boom due to the lease on the venue not being renewed by the owners, which is completely out of Tidal's hands. Until they find a new permanent venue, Tidal will be moving their shows to Batley, which is just down the road from Leeds, for the foreseeable future at the UKW Wrestling Facility. The Temple of Boom shutting for Tidal is sad as the venue has been the making of the promotion as a great go-to promotion to visit, and hopefully they can carry this on elsewhere, but we shall see what the future holds. So there you go, that is all for going undergrads for this time. But as ever, you can follow me at Part 3 on Twitter. Also, go and give my podcast Graps and Claps audio listen on all podcast platforms, where recently we've done a, a special covering some of British wrestling's most infamous matches, including Brian Danielson vs. Zack Sabre Jr. from AMP Wrestling in 2008. And the madness that was the big un in Wigan. And we also have a special guest on the show, which is... Uh, Chris Egan of Future Shot Wrestling and Choosing Night Jar fame from the back room of the Magnet Pub in Stockport. So, there you go. So, until next month, I shall bid you farewell. Bye-bye. So, thanks to Andy there. Um, he'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. He's off to uh, WXW this weekend with you guys. But um, another month and another TNT show for you, Benno. I mean, I was the latest TNT show. It's our... Uh, Surprise return and a big announcement for the summer. Yeah, it did. I mean, 
I'm going to another. I'm going to a show tomorrow. They're doing their X uh, tournament that they do. Uh, so I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail on it. But you know, before we went to Andy Ogden, then we were singing the praises of Eddie Kingston, and I've, I've got to do it again. The, the last TNT show I went to, Mercy Sad Mascot, he was in the main event with David Starr, and would you believe it? They they had a great match. Uh, that was kind of the highlight of that. Them two kind of going out there and doing the whole match where you have like a, the, the, it's like a sportsman build at the start, and they're shaking each other's hand and. They're there for the you know for the sport of it, and then slowly you know little things annoy one another, and it becomes more of a personal issue. And then before you know it, turns into a fight uh, and a real great dramatic main event. Uh, that was probably uh, the highlight of their their best uh, mask show I went to. Uh, they were just again a cut above everybody else on the show, but yeah, plenty of news coming out of it. Again, it probably mainly matters to me as uh, as someone who lives in this area and you know gets to go to these shows so often. But I didn't really expect. Yeah, in, in Liverpool, late for them to for a promotion to especially TNT. You you know when they were running shows with Joseph Connors and and Bram on top, I was hardly expecting them to be a promotion. I was going to every every month, never mind every couple of weeks. But yeah, they've got a lot of great stuff coming up. They've got the the teaming up with GCW to do joint shows with GCW in this country again. Another one where I would have expected Fight Club Pro to be front of the queue uh, to do that and get GCW over. It felt like a better fit, but TNT have done. It, you know, off the back of also somehow working with CGW next year to, to allegedly do tournaments of death. I'll believe that when it happens, but that is the announcement. They're also, yeah, doing shows with GCW and doing a whole weekender with them and I'm, I'm planning on bringing over, I believe, all their biggest stars. Whether that means Nick Gage comes over is a is a real question. <laughs> I guess we'll we'll see on that one. But you know, I I, I wouldn't put it past them to make it work. It's uh it's you know, if Snoop Dogg can get into the country, Martin, then, you know, there was years and years where he wasn't allowed in. Maybe maybe somebody can have put a word in for Nick Gage and, uh, and get him over here. Cause, yeah, yeah they're letting that Jeff was... Hardy back in. I mean, it's a number of yeah. years. Yeah. David Starr sets up that uh, all-parliamentary group for pro wrestling, so maybe the first thing they can do is argue for Nick Cage to get a visa. <laughs> there you go. We'll uh, we'll petition them for that. Uh, but yeah, you know, either way, I think you know the GCW are obviously the hottest indie in the US. The fact that they're running down the road from me is is just yeah something I wouldn't have expected. It's a whole weekend that they're doing uh, tail end of August. It's the last weekend of August, the 29th. Uh, these are 27, 28, 29th. Uh, they for this show that I went to uh, a couple of weeks ago for Basics Hard Massacre. They brought in Jordan Oliver, who's I'd expect to be speaking at GCW. Expect to be facing. Uh, Will Ospreay on the GCW shows over Mania weekend with, with the way the build's going and they're bringing over interesting people like that and doing interesting things and, and like I say different isn't it there's something mm-hmm. very different I mean it certainly makes them stand out from everybody else yeah, that's it. Yeah, and they're doing they're doing that. You know, they're doing that deathmatch style that maybe isn't to everybody's tastes, but it's carving them out a bit of a niche. The same niche maybe Fight Club Pro had, but doing something different, bringing over you know mostly unknown GCW guys like a Jordan Oliver, but then at the same time bringing over they've got Joey Janela coming over to to work David Starr the weekend of Full of a Wrestling, which is a hell of a wrestling weekend in Liverpool. You can you, know, you can go and you can meet up meet meet both Ted DiBiase's or, or meet uh, Goldberg's over, Kenny Omega's over, and also catch maybe a death match and catch mm-hmm. Joey Janela against David Starr. Doing plenty for the uh, the tourism industry in Merseyside at the moment, I'd say. <laughs> Sorry, Will. And it's also it's worth saying, like, because um, like I have this, because like I, I live in Wolverhampton, so you know, if I club's on my doorstep, like, once 
what what's like is where one stands depends on where one sits. Like, you know, obviously you go to TNT a lot because you're in Liverpool. I go to Fight Club Pro because I live in Wolverhampton. And I think it's really cool. One of the great things about ProRes is we have all these pockets of strength. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people who cover ProRes and Pro regularly because that's nearby in London. And obviously the Ogdens get all over these northern promotions. Like I, I would never have known about Tidal and the Temple of Doom um, if it wasn't for listening to the Ogdens. And it's great that we have this network of people. And I think, you know, I have became somebody who wants to go to see TNT from listening to you because but but like because I'm listening to you as somebody who is in Liverpool explain what that promotion's like mm. you mean I've not just been slagging it off 24-7 is that not what I've been doing no um, <laughs> yeah I mean when it's bad it's bad and I'll point it out but yeah that, that is a that is a side issue but yeah but yeah that's a good thing isn't it that, that, I think that's the thing and obviously you know Martin you get to go to more breed shows than the, than we would uh, you can put over the local guys just like I can put over you know a, a big John Joe who killed it on the last TNT show or you know like like I said you know get to see the more than hype lads close up or getting to see the young guns or who were on the show this weekend and get to see I think that is a that's a kind of a, you know when we do in that Brit Res retro show, Mark. Well, we were talking about like the decade in Brit Res. That's kind of like what it was at the start of the decade, wasn't it? Where we were yeah. all in our silos and all recommending people to each other and not really getting to see them. Uh, whereas now you can. I yeah, that's a really good point, that. And, um, and there was also a big return on the uh, on the last year as well, wasn't there? Uh, Ryan Smile making his big return to Brit Res. Yeah, that was the thing too. Uh, yeah, he came out. He's again. He's in this X tournament this uh, this weekend. Uh, that'll happen by the time uh, people listen to this. Let's see if he's if he is on the show because yeah, Ryan Smile coming out did. Uh, I took a photo of it and put it on Twitter, and immediately you kind of had half the people going, "Oh, great, Ryan Smile's back," uh, including a lot of the Irish because uh, he you know he did he was a big deal in OTT, and then you had a lot of people going, "There's that Ryan Smile. He owes me a lot of money. Uh, he owes me money for my ticket for that show that he cancelled, or you know for for wrestlers he, he owes money out there as well." Interesting one, yeah, that it's it's taken him kind of this long to to show his head again and it, and it's happened in TNT. Well, it's interesting about him because obviously for those unaware, he was featured quite a lot in OTT and Red Pro. I think uh, probably his biggest matches was that weekend the Elite was over because uh, he faced them both in a- OTT and Red Pro. Um, then he formed the Lucha Forever promotion with Will Ospreay, which had some good shows, but like with most Brit Rest, tried to run before they could walk and in typical Brit Rest fashion, cancel a few shows before dissolving and owing people ticket money. So, I mean, and then he made a, a number of, of stupid tweets about various issues. Uh, he released a statement apologising to people for his his previous conduct and asking for a second chance, which is all well and good for me because he doesn't owe me any money. But, I mean, <laughs> folks who, uh, who feel ripped off by Lucha forever, it must be hard for them to give him a second chance and... Even Ben Old, the former Southside promoter, was very vocal of his dislike for Smile on Twitter. So uh, I don't think we'll be seeing him popping up in any Red Pro shows anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see what um, Ryan Smile does and and how his comeback in the ring goes over with fans, especially those people who feel ripped off by him. The one thing is, Ben Old promised screenshots and receipts, and they haven't came yet. And I think, no. 
the, 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 the official line is that it was Ryan Smiles from Ocean and Will Ospreay was just almost like an ambassador. Um, but I think there's always been a suspicion that uh, Smile, being a friend of Ospreay, has given him a bit of, let's say, political protection um, from some of the brickbacks that would have came to him if he wasn't uh, juiced in in that way. And uh, certainly the deafening silence from Ald after he made that uh, comment suggests that might still be the case. Um, I mean, it's a weird one for me because I, I actually went to the first Lucha Forever show because of, um, the first Lucha Forever show took place in Birmingham. It was um, uh, Easter Monday, 2017. It, it was a good show. Um, he Smile released a big statement on a, a new Twitter feed. We can explain what happened. And without saying it, it sounds like he was basically promised lots of money from Flow Slam, and Flow Slam didn't follow through. And he kind of maybe he was play, trying to play the, the, the length of the string as long as possible, hoping the money from Flow Slam would come good. And ultimately, the whole thing imploded um, under its own weight because like, it was a really ambitious. Uh, promotion like this was you go remember 2017 you know this was before this was just as progress was starting to really become a national promotion like um, when was their first Manchester show Benno? Uh, I don't know I didn't go to their shows to be honest I think it was around then no, no, progress oh progress that would have been 2016 near the end of yeah, 2016 so- yeah, that's why I thought, like, Progress did Manchester. They did Birmingham at the beginning of 2017. But, like, Sheffield came a lot later. Because I, I think, wasn't their first Sheffield show 2018, Martin, for Progress? Uh, think it, no, I think it might have been end of 2017, like, around Christmas. Mm. Yeah, so I remember going down, yeah. But, but with Lucha Forever, they launched, and they were doing Birmingham, which is a difficult place to run. Um, because of how expensive it is. So doing, they were doing Birmingham, they were doing Southampton, they were doing Manchester. I think they were doing some shows in London. Um, like they basically, they basically launched as a national touring promotion on the idea that they would have this, I assume they'd have this flow slam money. Because I remember like, I think there was a uh, Pete Dunn Tyler Bate match in their first show that they had to turn the cameras off for because... Dunn and Tyler Bay weren't allowed on the um, on the VOD. You guys, I think, were talking on a previous show about Matt Riddle, Pete Dunn being a match that we never got to see. I actually had a ticket to see that show in at Lucha Forever in 2017, and I think May, and Pete Dunn got pulled. But again, that wasn't going to be on Flow Slam. So, like this, was, you know, Lucha Forever was a big deal, and it actually has a big legacy. In the sense of you know, the life at Southampton shows that Rev Pro do was set, was a series that was set up by Lucha Forever that Andy Croden basically did a rescue. What is now Sheldon Freud and Friends began under Lucha Forever and Chris Brooks with that with help from the then IPW management did a rescue. So like it has a bigger legacy than most promotions, but it had a bigger crash than most promotions because it basically ran way beyond the point of insolvency. It stiffed not just 
fans who lost ticket money. And no, not everybody could get uh, the money back through PayPal because you could pay for your debit cards. I paid for my tickets for the two shows. I bought tickets through uh, by debit card. They also cost wrestlers money. They cost fellow promoters money. So, yeah, disaster. In terms of Ryan Small, I think one of the issues that delayed his return is that his girlfriend, which I think is Alex Windsor, has been out on a long-term injury, so I think they've just stayed away from wrestling. I always believe in second chances. Um, But at the end of the day, it's a money business, and a, a lot of the people who lost money due to Ryan Small and Lucha Forever, are your really hardcore vocal fans? Is it worth it? I don't know. It's like, is it worth it? Like, I, 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 I am struggling. I, I think. Yeah, I suppose he's, he's going to jump in and see how it goes, doesn't he? He's just, that's what he's doing. Mm. He's jumping in, seeing how it goes, and yeah, I think he's going to see how it goes with him because. Uh, I mean, I just wanted to get in this before we sort of tied the show up, because um, obviously we had some other big news outside of the UK. Uh, Chris Brooks, he, he tied all his dates up in the UK and headed off to Japan for the rest of the year and made an instantaneous splash by uh, winning the DDT Universal title in a match with uh, Konsuki Takashita. And, uh, well, I know you were probably uh, happy that Brooks uh, made an instant splash by uh, heading over to Japan uh, winning the title this way. Yeah, it was a good match. I mean, I, I um, this was um, uh, just before I cancelled my DDT Universal screw. I feel like I've been a real wrong one because I cancelled both DDT Universe and New Japan this month because there were going to be no shows in front of crowds. Um, but um, I did watch that match. It was good. Um, Brooks is a really good brawler. You don't think he is because he doesn't seem like the type. But like that was like it was kind of like Brooks's really good singles matches in like 2016-17, um, where you know like against people like Tegan uh, Tegan Knox, where he'd just be brawling around to plays a lot of uh, gimmicky stunts stunt spots. Um, to like to me, like Brooks is best on himself. He has done repeatedly. Um, DDT is a natural fit for him um, in the sense of it has that combination of um, of serious wrestling, brawling, comedy that uh, appeals to him. I think, and Bill, I was saying with Osprey and uh, Ridgeway, I, I, I think it's it, it might be good for him to be in part of a system, part of a team. And um, yeah, I think it's a real show of faith. And I think I think people people had the uh, people assumed he was going to be the to, to win that match, and that the, the title was being created. And to help him, um, I assume one of the, one of the rationales for bringing him over was they, they they spotted that a lot of British people, such as myself, signed up to uh, DDT Universe to see Chris Brooks, and and he's already talking about trying trying to come back um, to to do a uh, to do a defence in the UK. I mean, he says it in his hometown, but like. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure DDT can find. <laughs> DDT will play in Tipton, but I'm sure in Wolverhampton, um, he'll find a, a good venue. And I actually saw his go away match in Fight Club Pro, which just very briefly you can hear more of my thoughts on uh, PW Torch. It was fascinating because that's probably the closest we're going to get to to like the 
CCK but a strong style match we never quite got round to in 2017. Mm-hmm. Like Mustache Mountain, Maloney basically playing Pete Dunne. And then you had Chris Brooks, Carl Fletcher, and Joe Nelson as Kid Like Us too. And it was like we're partying like it's 2017. It is exactly that British Strong style trios match where it's a lot of big moves, a lot of high fly, a lot of comedy. And it's really enjoyable to watch. But a few weeks later, you've kind of forgotten about it, which is fine because not everything has to last. You know, we should all live in the moment as much as we can. Um, but uh, Brooks did seem quite cut up about leaving. I think, like Jamesy was saying, um, I think on a previous show, like uh, he seems like the type of guy who realizes what he's doing, and like there are people who have been relied on him. But like, the reality is, progress for a pro, they could have taken a chance on him, they could have made him a big star, no, one of their lead singles guys, WXW could. None of them did that, and I think he's going to get the last laugh by getting this run into DDT. Yeah, he's certainly someone who seems, you know, made for doing those DDT shows, and then he's got the uh, the match with Onita coming up in a couple of weeks, I think. So I look forward to seeing that one. Eh? The thing, Martin, like, it is it is amazing that the Japanese realize that El Fantasma should be a heel, and he's great at it. And they realised that Chris Brooks, the most popular wrestler in British wrestling, arguably, last year, should be booked as a babyface. Whereas almost every single promotion insisted on playing him heel, playing him as a heel, even if, even if they had no compelling storyline to make use of his, of his abilities as a heel. Like, he should have been a babyface in Progress or in Rev Pro as a singles from the beginning of last year, and they're real. I think both promotions will kick themselves in a couple of years' time. Yeah, well, he's reaping the rewards now, isn't he? And certainly, he looks like he's having the time of his life over in Japan. And um, I mean, anything else, uh, Benno, before we head out of here? Oh, I've just got some terrible news for you, Will. Uh, I was just as you were talking then. Uh, we were saying we didn't want to uh, curse the WXW weekend. Have you by chance seen the news about Flyby? I, I, I've seen that the game is up. Yeah, it looks like the last flights are tonight. Uh, we record this Wednesday night. It looks like the last flights are tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm not going to do this to you. Oh, we, we cursed it. It was awful for bringing it up at the start of the show. The chances of that. I'm flying with Ryanair. Bloody hell. But I think it's part like they were partly struggling for money either way, weren't they? But I think they've, uh, yeah, unfortunately, think, the corona stuff killed them. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I saw, I saw they thought the game was up, mm. but I, I will see what happens with my flight tomorrow. But um, yeah, I, I think if they're gone, I'm not going. I don't have the money to buy a replacement flight, so yeah, I'm not going. Bloody hell, you've not got any, like any travel insurance or anything. <laughs> you'd be have to wait for that to pay back. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what a nightmare. Oh I That's going to affect a lot of people. That's going to hopefully, yeah, that's going to, that's going to affect a lot of people, isn't it? Hopefully people can find alternative means. Yeah, that is a big issue too. Oh, oh well, so I guess uh, any plugs, Benno or Will, before we head out of here? Well, not <laughs> to fly me. 
The good news is, is the money I bought of Asta, uh, the orders I bought of Asta, I can sell back to Asta at a much higher uh, exchange rate, because whereas they sold the euros to me at 109, they'll buy them back at 1.2, so I might make some money on this disaster. Oh, there you go. That's, that's a positive outcome. I, I I had seen like like before the game was up. I didn't realise that like, the flights were cancelled. Yes, it, it might mean I'm not going to Germany. Uh, maybe they get a last minute buyer or something. Maybe Tony Khan or somebody can step in and, uh, and sort it out. Um, but yeah, on the plug front, yeah, for me, uh, follow uh, at Grapple app on Twitter and you can download uh, my other podcast, Grapple Spotlight. Uh, comes out every Monday where we talk about all kinds of nonsense. Hopefully, I'm going to be recording that on Tuesday if I make it to Germany, uh, where I'll talk a little bit about WXW and we'll. Uh, Probably with Jamesy back, uh, do a, a proper episode on W on uh, on Karras on this show too. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Any plugs, Will? Um, uh, pro wrestling tours for the wrestling experience that I may not have daily shows. <laughs> Sixteen carats. Oh, uh, well, you, you can come back on the 20th of March you're with Benno and James you're doing a deep dive in 16 carat and no doubt that big OTT show so uh, yeah thanks <laughs> Thank, as Alan Partridge would say on that bombshell um, you know we, we'll head out of here and thanks to everyone for listening and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks